Welcome to episode 152 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. All right, Jason, how are you doing? I'm tired, man. <laughs> Why so tired? What's going oh, on? Oh, I've just been running around with the kids last, uh, all day today, soccer games, soccer practices, soccer clinics, whatever. I've just been sitting out in the sun for like five hours, so just had the energy sucked from my, from my body. Oh, that sucks. But um, I'm... Um, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready right. to do a show. It's been like what when's the la- our last discussion show? How long has it been? Three weeks? Twenty one days. Wow. So that's the longest we've we've gone since probably starting the show, huh? Yeah. And and it's funny, you said you know, I, I remember asking, I don't know, about three months ago, I said, What do you think if we were to maybe just do one show a week or something like that? And you said, No, no, if we if we slow down, we'll lose the momentum and that will be the, the road to us going over the cliff kind of thing. The end, yeah. Seems like you're right. Yeah, no, it's, momentum is everything, man. Consistency. As soon as you lose momentum on something, um, and uh, consistency, sort of the same thing, right? It, it's just it's the beginning of the end. And uh, I always talk about that in terms of like exercise. So when you start some new exercise plan, and as soon as you skip one day, it's really easy to skip two. When you can skip two, you can skip five, you skip five, you skip two weeks, and then you're done. You know, yeah. so you you just never want to once you get into like a, a rhythm, you just want to keep it up. You want to you want to try and get some kind of a schedule that you can maintain and then do your best never to break it. And the people I've known who've been the most successful, who are who were the most disciplined, uh, that's generally how they operated. Well, I noticed you've scheduled um, an interview for this Tuesday and for next Tuesday as well. Yeah. So yeah. that's getting us back on track. Yeah, so um, Joanne uh, Weeby, I'm, I think that's um, pronouncing her last name correctly. Um, she did the whole uh, copy hackers thing. You might have seen that take Hacker News last week. I did, yeah. Yeah, so she's, it's kind of like the version of, uh, it's kind of similar to the book that came out, Design for Hackers. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember that? We talked about that a few weeks ago. This is like copywriting for hackers. <laughs> and uh, she wrote a blog post. I think it hit number two on Hacker News sometime last week, or maybe, maybe it was a week and a half ago. Um, and as she, I know she worked for Intuit doing copywriting, and um, I guess she really tries to break it down. You know, she really breaks it down, and um, so we're going to have her on Tuesday. She's going to tell us about that and about her success on Hacker News. And, um, you know, what I'm trying to do, we'll see, and, and maybe if we can get some questions from listeners, but I'm hoping to get at least a half dozen really good copywriting questions. Yeah, to have her answer on the air. All right. Well, that's there's a call to action right there. So just just put those questions in the comments for this show. Or you can actually, you know, you can do. That. Oh, it's not even going to be out in time. No, because because the, the, the show's on Tuesday. So. Well, if we put the show up tonight, maybe um, maybe we will get some uh, a handful of people uh, okay. to it. I, I w- I'm not going to hold my breath, but maybe we'll get one or two questions in in time. But right. you can if if you don't want to put it on the blog post uh, on the blog comments, you can just email us at podcast podcast at texinglive.com. Yeah. And I got another guest for the following week. 
Yeah. Collective too. Do you remember, I don't know if we mentioned it during the show, but we interviewed Sean Tang uh, about the algorithmic trading. He -hmm. talked about a site called Collective Two, where you can sort of define or upload your trading system and people can license it and uh, get signals from it. And they have like thousands of trading system and I don't know, tens of thousands of subscribers. And it would be kind of an interesting um, interview because it's again at that sort of that nexus between web startup and uh, algorithmic trading. Okay. So basically people put, people basically put their own algorithms on this collective and then you can subscribe to their feed and they'll get like, percentage of any money you make no, from it? Is I think, it I, think, I think you just license it. Like, you can get the signals for some fixed amount a month. You know, I don't think it's... What is the signals? What does that mean? Well, like signals? when to buy and when to sell, right? Okay. And, um, and you can look and see how their trading systems have done and, and look at the equity curves and, and everything. And we'll get into it um, next week. But the guy, Matthew Klein, I think he's an algorithmic trader as well. And in addition to being a, a startup entrepreneur, but he also uh, is a writer. So he's written two books. I, I saw him. So he, we have three interesting things to talk to him about, I think. Okay, great. Okay. That's a good one. Nicely lined up. Yeah. So okay, get us back in the, back in some kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know, a consistent release pattern. I mean, I don't know if we can maintain two a week until any foo is live, but um, yeah, at the very least we got to get our, um, our discussion shows going every weekend. I mean, that's, I think that's critical. <laughs> well, the reason why the reason why this one didn't happen was because I was on vacation in Napa for a week, and the week on the weekend previously, you were on vacation. Yeah, so hopefully people give us give us a break on that. <laughs> Got us some slack. <laughs> yeah, so we took Colby's. It was Colby's seventh birthday, and my and um, Sandy was like, "Well, she gave him the option of either having a birthday party with a bunch of his friends, or we go down as a family to Legoland, which is like." Um, kind of like a Disneyland or thing down just north of San Diego. And uh, as surprise, surprise, he picked Legoland, which is about 10 times more expensive than having a birthday party. But uh, that's, that was a whole, you know, three days we were gone. Cool. Yeah. So that was good, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend if you live anywhere near Southern California and you have little kids, uh, you know, Legoland's, you know, good. It'll, it'll, it'll wear you out, though. <laughs> But it was, mm. it was uh, you know, it's really, it was, yeah, it's good. I, it was the first time we've actually tried taking the kids to a, um amusement park, um, like, you know, Disneyland or anything. And, uh, I, you know, I'd say it went pretty well. I mean, anytime you have little kids, it's a little bit of chaos, but, you know, it went pretty well. So I, so I briefly mentioned to you, we had a very quick chat, um, I think last week sometime. And I briefly mentioned to you that I've made a decision that I really want to go ahead with uh, Company 52 and the Plugio deal with Company 52. Right, right. So I told you what I was thinking about, the deal I was thinking about cutting, and you went, are you kidding me? That's insane. <laughs> I think there was an expletive in there at least. One, at least expletive. one or two, but are you effing insane? What are you thinking? <laughs> anyway, well, well, let's, let's hear it. I mean, tell, tell the people. What's well, the, the, deal's uh, still, the deal's still work in progress, but I'm, what I'm thinking about doing, and so I'm, I'm going to give the, the, the top line, because it kind of sounds shocking when, when I give the top line first but then as i explain my reasoning it may be a little less shocking but overall the way that i think i want to cut it is to give them 30 percent of plugio the company and to give them 80 percent of the revenue of plugio that's the way i want to cut it how about you give me 80 percent aren't you just like <laughs> you know giving shit away <laughs> <laughs> okay so it sounds well, like that, doesn't santa it? claus 
Okay, there's a, there's, there's a there's a few more there's a few more clauses in there that um, that make it a little bit of a better deal than than the way that sounds. Um, so so first of all, in with regards to equity, so the 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 equity once again n- none of this is in stone. It's all up for discussion, right? But this is kind of where where we're at in our working deal uh, working proposition right now is ten um, percent of equity per year over the next three years, pending that that the company puts in enough hours to kind of prove that it's it's continuing to work on the product and continuing to promote the product and working with me. So um, that that number of hours, you know, hasn't been specified yet, but it's it's going to be a substantial amount of hours for the company to put into Plugio, and that's that's pretty significant because you know we're talking like a pretty sizable company, you know, with a, a core staff of um, five, but then with other people on hand as well. Um, I, I think a total a, a total staff of around twenty, um, and absolutely fantastic in-house designer. Um, three really, really great coders, two great business guys. In fact, so it's a core staff of six now that I think about it. Um, so that's really great. And, it, you know, that could help me with um, ongoing development. I can do all of the stuff that I want to do, such as um, fully redesign Plugio, uh, make it look really slick, and also integrate Google Plus and Facebook. Can't you do that on your own? I mean, at least the, the Google Plus and Facebook, what's the big deal? Well, you could you can do it on your own, but the thing is, when something grows to the size of Plugio, I mean, even yourself, as you've seen working on Anyfu, it's just a, it's just a small project. I mean, Plugio is a very big project now, and to do each of those changes requires a lot. Plus, also, there's scalability scalability issues. I mean, I just kind of feel with Plugio, it's kind of reached a point where it's. It feels like a big project to me. It feels like I, whenever I put something into it, it's like really diminishing returns. The amount of effort that I can put into it versus how much I bring back. I mean, all of all of the effort that I put into it for marketing, for building um, Tweetboard, and all all my recent efforts haven't kind of taken the revenue in the same direction as when Ruben from BidSketch talks about the efforts that he makes. And I kind of think that it's the marketplace that Plugio is, you know. It's like an incredibly competitive marketplace. It's an incredibly competitive space. Okay, well, in terms of development, um, I mean, why is it, uh, how, how, like, how long would it take you, how many hours would it take you to do Facebook integration? Well, it's not just that. Well, let's, let's, so, let's just answer that question first. How long would that take? 10 well, hours, 20 th- hours? 30 hours? No, 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 no. No, it's, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that because whole, whole questions need to be asked about the way that the, the whole interface operates. I mean, basically, it sort of needs to be reworked in many ways. Um, the visual design, the, the, kind of, the kind of way that it... Because everything hangs off Twitter accounts right now. Okay. But if, if, you know, the whole, the whole paradigm is through Twitter accounts, whereas really the whole paradigm should be through social profiles. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. You can have it so you can have a Twitter account hanging off a social profile. You can have Google Plus hanging off a social profile, and you can have Facebook. But but as it stands right now, if I was to just integrate Facebook, it, which is probably what I'll what we'll end up doing as a first pass, but it's going to be a little bit awkward. Like for a fuller for a fuller execution of that, it's going to require a lot more work. Okay. All right. So, but to to answer your question, to just do that, you know, I don't know to two weeks work hardcore kind of thing. Okay. 
And I imagine the same thing for Google Plus, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, probably, probably the same thing for Google, Google Plus. But once again, the parts that I'm not including are the fact that Google Plus and Facebook have this different way of interacting with threaded messages and being able to delete the message and the way the messages flow. So once again, I kind of need to rework and redesign the internals, which is a lot more time as well. Okay. See what I'm saying? All right. So how much of it is... Okay, so here's my question to you. Is how much of, of, of getting other people involved is that you absolutely need them or is it you just... It's just some. It's just a way of working that that you want. That you want to work with a group of people. It's not necessarily you need it. It's more sort of this psychological, emotional need mm. that you just. I mean, because I know how much you keep talking about wanting to be having a team of people. I I think it's like I think it's very similar to the reasons when Joel Spolsky talks about getting investment for what they're working on. Like in some ways, they could they could keep going without investment, but. When these these guys, Company Fifty Two, are very professional guys, right? That like I've seen their working process, I've seen the way that they do things, and they're totally they're hundred percent pro shop. They're really really good guys. So working with these guys is basically the equivalent of getting investment, like really good investment, and having a really good team, um, with with a great management process and all and all that sort of stuff. So it's like has Plugio reached a point where it should get some kind of investment? I sort of think, yes, you know, I think that to to scale it out and to to move it from a point um, to something where it could actually make some decent revenue. Okay, so anyway, you haven't asked me about the rest of the deal, which is how come I'm going to give them 80% revenue and how's the rest of the deal going to hang together? So can we talk about that for a bit? Yeah, go ahead. So the the first thing I thought was, look, when I cut this deal, I want to make it so that it actually makes no difference whatsoever to the path that I would have taken just building Plugio on my own. So the kind of holy grail that we've been talking about for me building Plugio on my own and f- or for you building any app or whatever is we want to get to this kind of 10 grand a month price point where it's just bringing in this residual income of 10 grand. Right, okay. So, so I've kind of structured the deal that basically working with these guys isn't really going to make any difference to me attaining that 10 grand a month residual income. Okay. So, so Okay, so that's, is, that, is that 10 grand after expenses or before? Um, what do you mean expense? Well, I don't know. I mean, let's say that, you know, you, okay. So the, the idea of 10 grand a month is that you're, you're, that would be, you know, $120,000 a year, which is a decent base salary. I mean, you're yeah. not going to be living yeah. large, especially if Georgie isn't going to be working. I mean, in living in Cal- Southern California, I mean, that's just barely scraping by, especially right, if you right. have, especially if you attempt to have a mortgage and especially if you want to have kids. I mean, that's not, yeah, no, that, it's, that, 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 it's, it's a baseline. It's a baseline. You know, you're not going to 10 grand a month basically coming to me is what I'm talking about. So right. I guess it's, yeah. I guess it's net. It sounds like a lot but of it's money. It's not net it's, of tax. Yeah. Cause you can, you know, yeah. Cause you, you can imagine, you know, 120 grand might sound like a lot, especially if we have listeners who are say in the early mid twenties, but if you can imagine a, a couple each making 60 grand a year, trying to buy a house and raise a family, that's like nothing, right? So, yeah, you know, because you're family of two to start. So, That's right. No, no, and, you're right. And if 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 you're saying, okay, well, the, we'll plug you as bringing in ten grand a month, but you know, three or four thousand dollars of it's going to uh, server hosting, to Mm-mm. some kind of uh, no. av- marketing or advertisement 
stuff or, or whatever, you know, then of course it's not very much. So it's like, you know, what, what, what is a 10 grand sort of front end or back end or what? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's 10 grand net net. And, and also the reason why the, the, the 10 grand is it's a platform that you can then say, I don't need to do any consulting work anymore. Now I can really get stuck into being an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. So basically the 10 grand is like the baseline of where you can focus a hundred percent of your time on being an entrepreneur rather than 20% and then the other 80% being um, a consultant. I see. Okay. It's kind of buying your freedom. You're not buying luxury, but you're buying your freedom. Right. So, so the kind of the deal, the way that the deals, um, I'm thinking about the destruction of the deal right now is when we, when we kind of go into partnership at the point, we'll, we'll work on something and we'll release the new version of Plugio that they will have been involved in building at the point that it gets released. I get to keep all of the revenue that, that Plugio has generated up to, up until that point. So if, if Plugio is on $4,000 a month, I will continue to get $4,000 a month. We won't, we won't share that. Right. Right. Then we will share everything 50, 50 for any revenue after that 4,000, we will share it 50, 50 between me and between all of those. Guys. Okay. So, so if it started, if it making $5,000 a month, you would take on 4,500, they would take on $500. 4,500. Okay. Right. Exactly. Then when it gets, when I am earning 10,000 a month, we then move to 80, 20. So they get 80% and I get 20%. Okay. So they get 80% of the profits above 10,000. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the, so the point, but the point here is, is that then this the company 52 gets a lot of um, incentive, a massive incentive to put huge amounts of time and effort into Plugio and to build and grow Plugio with me. But in the meantime, I still retain 70% ownership. So my idea here is to move Plugio from a small solopreneur business into a potential acquisition business or a very nice, a very nice lifestyle business. So what I would like to do is to try and move Plugio to the $50,000 or $100,000 a month price point. And I, th- I believe that I can do that with a team like these guys. I don't think I can do that by myself. So it's, to answer your previous question, that's the reason why. Okay. Well, I mean, look, if these guys are really heavy hitters, I mean, if they, if they can really knock a home run with this, then it'll be worth it. And it's just the question is, are they as good as you think they are? Um, and it's always hard to tell that early on. You know, you get to know people and they seem really smart. They seem really energized about something or really committed and you just never know. And there's no way to know until afterwards. I mean, you, you could turn around, and get, we could be doing this podcast in two years from now and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're personally bringing home 25 or 30 grand a month and you're like, yeah, and I got this whole team supporting it. And I've been like, well, I guess that was the right idea. <laughs> right? It's just so nice, really, <laughs> It's just so hard to tell at this point. I mean, I and it's like I guess it's like a lot of partnerships, especially in startup partnerships, is that there's a certain leap of faith. You know, you kind of get a sense of somebody. You have serious conversations. You work together a little bit, and decide, okay, is this person or are these people I'm gonna team up with? Are they really people I can count on? Are they really gonna work hard? Are they really as talented and as smart as I think they are, or not? Well, I mean, I I feel they are. I mean, I just from working with them. I feel that they have the same kind of values that I do. I mean, they're a very transparent company. Um, I just get the sense that that they kind of think along the same lines as I do. And, you know, they're really into the the bootstrapping ethos as well. So that's not the only value they bring to the table. It's not just that they're a great team. They own a product that's in an extremely similar space. It's not a Twitter client, but it's in a very, very similar related space. And they have a mailing list of 350,000 people. 
with that client. Wow. So it's a perfect launching opportunity. But plus also that product has 200,000 uh, page views a month. And um, there will also be a rather large Plugio ad on that 200,000 page views a month. Huh. So so that's two other pieces of value. Well, what are their bringing. thoughts on the crossover? I mean, are they pretty bullish on this? I and mean, do they think that this is going to be um, kind of a slam dunk for them or what? I don't think that they think it's going to be a slam dunk, but I do think that they're quite bullish. I think that they they see the synergy. They, like me, they've, they've been following my work for uh, a couple of years, I guess. Um, so so they kind of, the team have known about me and what I've been doing with Plugio. And when I posted um, on Startup Guild that I was looking for work, um, the CEO uh, sort of thought it would be a great opportunity to bring me on board. And then when I suggested the idea of Plugio, he was like, yeah, that sounds like an excellent idea. And as we discussed, I mean, one of the things is, is that they, they feel, and I agree with this, that social media is, it's highly unlikely that social media is going to die anytime soon. Right. And and this, this space of um, the client that can manage all of your multiple accounts, it's far from over and it's far from one. And and even if it was one, there's, there's always room for a, a new substantial contender. So what Plugio really shows is that there's money in the space. I mean, if you if you just look at the the whole timeline of Plugio, even when I wasn't de- devoting much time to it, it still retained its customers. It still retained its usage. And then when I put more marketing in, it's grown. You know, like three hundred, four hundred percent. Right, right. Um, so all that stuff makes them think this is this is a great thing. And and incidentally, um, Company Fifty Two do get quite a few offers for working working for equity. Right. And so far, they've ne- they've never taken any deal like that before. This this would be the first time. Oh, well, that's good. So, well, what's the timeline on this thing? Are you guys you guys you haven't inked the deal yet? You're still talking about it. Yeah, still talking about it. But I, I, there has been some designs floating around, um, some really nice stuff, and we're thinking sometime before Christmas to try and to try and get the new version out there. And something else about this that that I like is that. By working with the team, it means that I then don't need to spend quite so much time focusing on it. I can also offload support and things like that and spend more time working on any foo. Okay. <laughs> you know, so hopefully this will free up a little bit more time for me to get a little bit more involved with any foo. Well, what, um, okay, well, if you want to, if you're going to release a new version before the end of the year, I mean, how many, what's the timeline, you know, for getting an agreement in place. I mean, are you guys, is it you guys trying to get something knocked out in the next two, three weeks? Are you, are you, yeah, definitely. Have you already put like a formal proposal yet? Are you still just talking about terms or what? We're, well, we, the proposal is what I've just described okay. to you. Um, so basically it, it's, we're going to keep it very simple. Um, we're not going to get lawyers involved. Just put, put together a, a letter that's as simple as possible. Letter of agreement. Just explain. Yeah, basically. And um, just, just go for it. Okay. But I'm interested to hear what listeners think about this. This uh, deal. well, I, they're probably going to think it's risky, but it's like you know, it's <laughs> I don't know. It's like a lot of things that are risky. It could either it could either implode and be kind of a nightmare, or it could really be great. <laughs> but I guess there's always there's, there's always a situation where it could kind of go in the middle, right? I mean, so let's let's go through three scenarios. One scenario is it just kind of implodes in the sense that they don't. Do the they're not getting putting in the work or the kind of work that you think needs to put in, and you're unhappy or something along those lines. That'd be a worst case scenario, right? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's just say you team up with some group of people, they don't deliver. What happens? You know. But even if it did happen, I, I'm still kind of on on course to earn my ten grand a month. Okay. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Right, so it doesn't affect so, that. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is pretty much all I all I could have hoped from Plugio anyway. All right, and then the, the, there's of course there's the uh, you know the the very optimistic scenario in which things go well. They're able to leverage their mailing list and uh, and their team's expertise, and and it really accelerates the growth of this thing. Which of course that'd be fantastic. And then there's sort of the middle case where it's like, well, you know, it's 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 growing faster than it was growing. You know, it's, it's, it, but it wasn't growing that fast for the last four or five months. It's kind of, they've kind of doubled it, but you know, it's not like they quadrupled it or something. It's not like it, um, you put booster rockets on the thing. And, and, and that's the scenario where you're like, it's okay. Like, you know, you'll still get your 10 grand, but you're going to be giving up a lot of the top end above that. But, you know, they weren't able to bring enough value and some parties thinking, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving away 80% of everything above 10 grand when they really at best only doubled the, uh, the rate. And, you know, and the question is, how do you feel in those scenarios? I mean, not, not to any, not to any, even if it's, even if they did everything they could, right. Cause like you said, some, you've tried a lot of things and a lot of those things really haven't really affected the growth. And so the question yeah. is, even if they put in a good, honest effort, but to no fault of their own, um, it doesn't really impact the growth very much. How does mm-hmm. that? How do you? How, how how will you feel about that? So I think what you need to do and all is play out all scenarios. Say okay, let's let's transport ourselves six months or year uh, six months or a year or two years in in time, and let's say in trial scenarios. Okay, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened, and then kind of work back. See, like how do I feel about that scenario? Is that am I still okay with it? You know, because what happens a lot of times is in deals is everything, you just don't think that deeply or that hard about how in the future you just kind of have this sort of vague notion of success, either like this wild success or this sort of utter and dismal failure. But a lot of times it's somewhere in between and you have to kind of sit back and try and imagine yourself in that situation and figure out how you feel about it and, and make sure that, um, that under those situations, you know how you're going to feel about it, and that sort of is is somehow um, articulated in the document. Reflects refl- that is reflected in the document. I don't know. All right. Well, thanks very much for that advice. Um, taken on board. I, I my my gut feel at this point is that under all those scenarios, I would be happy. Good. Well, I mean, I hope it does. I mean, these guys sound like great guys. I mean, you know, it sounds like we should maybe get to see you on the show at some point. Maybe if you guys ink a deal and everything, we'll get them on and. You know, maybe we talk. Maybe we talk about it. I mean, because I, I obviously I haven't. I don't even know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's nothing personal. If they're listening, you know, I'm just saying. You know, uh, it's just it's just working a deal with anybody. You have an existing product, an existing revenue base. Um, you know, is it you know smart to bring to partner up or, or not? You know, that's all. Yeah. Well, it's Company Fifty Two, and the CEO is is I don't know how to exactly pronounce his surname, but it's Michael Poitras. I think it's Michael Poitras is how you pronounce it. Okay. That's a first for you. You always know how to pronounce. Well, this is, this is a weird spell. I've never seen a P-O-Y-T-H before. Poitras. I guess it must be Poitras. Okay. Michael Poitras. So, okay. okay so, wait, 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 where, where are they located? Are they uh, in the well, US? They're, they're, they're actually not located anywhere. They're a 100% virtual company. And, and the, they're totally in your mind. The way that, <laughs> the way that Michael has, has grown the company is very interesting as well. So I do think he'd be a good guest on the show. He's, he's been building the company for around uh, three years really really focusing hardcore on building that for the last two years and um they have a a very nice pipeline and a a lot of work coming their way and a great reputation they're they're, they're basically a lot like the project that we tried to start um briefly oh were they when we were trying to team up with mark and yeah 
and Taylor. Yeah. And they, so, so they have the biz dev guy. They have the biz support guy. They have great developers. They have a great designer. I, th- I think they're abutting um, 37 signals. I, I really like that what they're doing. Oh, well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, um, if we're done with that topic, I'd like to I'd like to ask you about Plugio specifically. I mean, what the numbers are. I think it's time for an update. It's been a while. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, well, it's been at least 21 days, hasn't it? At least, yeah. Um, I'm just opening my browser here. So last, not last week, but the week before, I just signed an interesting deal with... Um, an enterprise, an enterprise deal who basically, okay. uh, so I, I've got the ability to kind of create custom plans now and they're on a $199 a month plan, which oh, is, great. which is pretty nice. Yeah. So that, you know, most of the plans are $9, $19, $29 or whatever, but there's this just one, one custom plan. So anyway, um, last month, uh, well, as we said, it, the revenue had hit, um, 3000, um, 3,100 and this month so far, it is pushing ahead of last month um, by $130. So that's where we're at. It's, it's 23 days into the month, so it's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty hopeful. Um, and it's kind of growing. It goes in on 23,000 and a quarter. Yeah, could, could do if, if, if it picks up a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of where it's at. That's not bad. Not bad. Oh, it's, it's growing. That's the good thing. You don't have the fall offs. I remember. Uh, I just don't want to hear about any more of those 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 drop downs. Right. Get your, your, listen to your your depression. People <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, are canceling. Oh. Well, talking about my depression, I was depressed about the non advancement of any foo, but I do believe that there has been some advancement, and I would love to hear about that. You were depressed. Well, let's hear about your depression. Why well, were you depressed? We already had those discussions like four or five shows ago. So that's 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 oh. that's, that's done dealt with. Oh, okay. I thought there was a new depression. No, no. <laughs> it's like the weather. It's like just in the weather. Okay, what's the, <laughs> what depression are we dealing with now? Right. Well, we got a high, you know, altitude. So, what have you, what have you been doing with any food for the last few weeks? Okay, so um, I've been working on the um, the whole process of booking a session and the communication that goes back and forth between Hold on, the sh- client. Sh- just quickly, can you give an overview of what AnyFoo is for any new listeners? Although we probably, probably don't have any new listeners. But. All right. So AnyFoo is, is, is what we, the tagline is just in time um, expertise. So it, you, you can go on the site and um, connect with an expert. So if you're an expert in some kind of field, say SQL, <laughs> Node.js, I don't know, whatever it is. And, um, and, and these are going to be verified experts. These are people who've written books, you know, people who speak at conferences, people who core contributors to the libraries. These are the people who are really verified um, as knowing a lot or everything there is to know about their specialty, right? So if you, uh, if you need that kind of help, you can go on the site and say, hey, here's the guy who wrote this library. We're having problems with it, or we need some advice on installing it or configuring it or extending it or whatever, whatever it is you need help with. You can go and say, book a, you know, book a session, and then you will essentially send them a list of, of some times that you would like to you know, try and, and set something up, right? Mm. They will then, in turn, respond and say, okay, here are two or three times that I can do it. 
right? And then you would get back another email and you either say yes or, you know, okay, great. I'll let's, let's schedule it at this time. <laughs> it kind of structures that sort of very unstructured process of emailing the, the emailing process back and, and forth. And it also helps you find them. And it's basically a marketplace of experts. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's much more than that, right? Because like, it's not just about structuring when you're going to do something. The whole payment process goes through us. So they're guaranteed to get paid, you know, right? Or at least some minimal, minimal amount is guaranteed. Or, um, but, you know, there are, the, the client's credit card will have been pre-approved and the expert will have a PayPal account and all the payment will go through us. And, the, and then when clients or when experts sign up, they'll sign at least a basic terms of service about, you know, um, IP and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, because when you set, when you want to, when you want to hire somebody, you know, it's, if you're hiring them for say six months of work or something, then it's worth getting a W9 filled out and they get some contracts they have to sign and a whole bunch of getting to know you and when are we going to work together? There's a lot of friction to getting that set up. Mm -hmm. And that's even after you find out and figure out if there's somebody that you want to hire right? Then you have to figure out when they're going to be available and how much time they're going to do and all this kind of crap. It's just, so if you want some help from somebody for like four hours, <laughs> it's just yeah, completely it's worth too it. much. Way too, too much, much You know, if, if, if you wanted to find somebody in some, in some particular topic right now, how would you do it? You'd like, I don't know, go search the web, maybe send some emails, put a shout out on Twitter, maybe hear back. I mean, it would just, it's like not doable. Right. So we're going to make that whole thing really efficient and really doable. So what I've been working on is the um, is that interaction that goes back between the client and the expert. Okay. Yeah. So it's a series of pages and emails that get generated back and forth. So like, okay, Justin, let's say you're the expert, right? I, I go, I find you and I say, and then I, I click and I say, okay, this guy looks good. And I, um, I say, okay, well, I want to try you know, I'd like to work with you. Do you, you know, do you have any time this week, any of the, any of these mornings or afternoons or something, right? You get, that generates an email that goes to you. You look at it, you go, okay, I can do it tomorrow afternoon or Thursday morning, right? Mm. That, that generates an email. That stuff gets updates, our database records that gets back. I get another email notification. Hey, Justin's available, you know, these two times. And I can either pick one of those two times and say, cool, schedule it. Or I can say, eh, nothing's going to work for me. Are you still right? doing that with the state machine? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll get into that in a second. Okay. And so then after that, it goes through and it generates the emails that go back and forth. And I have to give people the option to be able to cancel it. And then it's just, there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of emails and different um, scenarios that happen. Um, So so yeah. So how much work did you expect this to be and how much work is it going to be? I guess I expected it to be around eight to 10 hours. And I think it's probably closer to 30 to 40 hours, probably 40 hours of work. <laughs> Maybe a 4X. Let's say 10 and I have 40. It's we, just, we, it's, humans have a hard time estimating the exponential. Yeah. So if I say someone's going to take two weeks, just assume it's going to take, you know, nine years. Right. <laughs> I mean, I have no sense of it. That's why I just say two weeks because it just, it's like meaningless. Basically, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's this kind of thing. It's like, it's not hard in the sense of like, how do you get it done? It's just hard in the sense that there's a lot of moving parts that you just want to get right. Like, okay, so let's say that, um, you, you, you know, in one of those steps, an email needs to be generated, but the messaging really depends on what the response was. Was there one time that the expert said he could do it or were there three times or there's no time? You know, right. there's a lot of different variations on how that email needs to be phrased so that's readable and makes some kind of sense. And um, so you're, and then, and then you have to allow people to, um, 
cancel, cancel it if it doesn't work and you need to, you know, remind them of certain things. You got to get the messaging right. I, I mean, it's not hard. I mean, no one's, I'm sure no one's listening. It's going, that doesn't sound hard. It's just, it's just a lot of little crap you got to well, do. It's going get through. I mean, part, like a huge part of developing something like that is, is not just the development, it's the testing. It's the hands-on touching and feeling of it and seeing what it looks like. Because it, like a lot of, a lot of developers will actually miss that part. And that's why you just see weird English and weird language. And so it sounds yeah. like you're getting right into that, which is great because that's what we need for, for a valuable customer experience. Well, I'm spending, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time thinking really hard about each step. Like, does this make sense? I mean, what we don't want is for it to be confusion, misunderstandings, or, or, or mixed expectations about what's really happening, right? Like, oh, so wait, I have to confirm again? I thought, I, I thought we'd already scheduled it. Or, you know, we don't want things like that to happen, right? Or like, you're Eastern time, I'm Pacific. I say anytime tomorrow afternoon. Well, what is that for you? Right? Right. It's like yeah, confusion. yeah. We, got, we can't allow that confusion to happen because if it's possible to happen, it means it's going to happen a lot. Maybe not you know, the majority of the time, but maybe 10 or 15% of the time, and which could be a real pain in the ass. That can come up with a lot of frustrated customers. Right? So you can't, you, the reason that you want things to be structured is so that um, it, it, there's no screw ups, that it's very clear what's happening. But you're structuring something that has a lot of informalities and you have to allow enough variation that people don't feel constrained, but not so much variation that things can get off the rails and nobody knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be very thoughtful about the steps. You have to be very thoughtful about the messaging and explanation about what's going on. Like, okay, so you sent this. Now you're going to get an email from the expert. <laughs> you know, like you have to know what just happened and what you're, what is going to happen in the next step. You want to minimize the number of steps. Well, what about if like they contact the expert and the expert just ignores it, or let's say three steps down the line, they send an email to the expert, then the expert ignores it or vice versa. And basically someone just stops the chain dead through inaction. Do we have a exactly. way of dealing with that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, we'll go through and we'll figure out like, you know, some sort of cron jobs that'll say, okay, well, this is scheduled for this time. Did anything happen? Did, can somebody, cause people, there can be a situation where someone goes in and files a, a complaint, right? Or, you know, I was scheduled. They never showed up. What, what happens? Right. Yeah. So in the, in the emails that we sent, we need to have a couple of links that says, if there's a problem, if this doesn't happen, then here's a link, click this link and follow through on this. But then you don't want to make these emails so long that people look at it and they don't read it. Like, you know, when you get an email, like you set up like a new account at some web host and they send you this, this email that has like, you know, yeah, it just has never read that. <laughs> yeah. It's never, it's like my eyes glaze over on the second paragraph. I'm like, okay, I can't read this. But if you don't read it, you're not going to know what the hell's going on. So you can figure out like, how am I going to convey this information? So people really understand what's, what to expect, what's going on. And they know what to, what to do if some step, nothing happens. And it, it's just, you, so I've spent a lot of time just staring at the ceiling or when I'm in the shower, I'm brushing my teeth or whatever I'm doing, thinking about it. Okay, so if this happens, how can I say this in the, as few words as possible? That, but as clearly as possible, they understand exactly what's going on. That's a, and another just, point about that, just, just to go on there, is I, I do the same thing when I'm developing sometimes. And um, so you'll, you'll be spending all this time working on the detail and then you'll show it to the person that you're developing it for, for a client or something. And they'll look at it and they'll go, no, but da, da, da. and they'll have some criticism. And it's so highly irritating when they have a criticism after looking at it for two seconds and you've been thinking about it for a day. It and is. <laughs> it is. That's why I'm never showing it to anybody. <laughs> and I know, I know how annoying that is. And that's why I'm even terrified of looking at any of this stuff myself. Because you, you've been in a, a black box 
And so, so my kind of take on it or criticisms will certainly not go down very well. I don't think. Well, we, you know, we'll, I think it'll be all right. It'll, <laughs> It'll be irritating to some degree, but what we'll do is we'll go through and uh, and and once I have all the steps finalized, because I think I have all of the major steps at least working right. Right now, there might be some variations like of edge cases that we need to catch. Um, and right now, what I'm trying to do is validate you know information. So, for instance, if you if if I'm the client and I and I want to reserve some time with you, and I say and 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 I have to say, okay, well, you know. In the, in the in the web page essentially okay so when do you want to do it right i say i want you to help me install and configure multiple ec2 instances you're an ec2 expert right how do i i need some help right and i'm like okay so when do i want to do it like okay today's tuesday let's see i can do it tomorrow morning anytime from 8 to 12 wednesday in the morning from 8 to 2 or i can do any time on friday right well the question is i got to make sure those dates aren't overlapping those times aren't overlapping <laughs> or they're not in the past, or they make some kind of sense, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to validate this information. And so it's like a lot of ways you screw it up. And it's just like this nonsensical information coming through. And I mean, not this isn't new, right? Anytime you fill out a form, you got to validate. But it's just, um, you know, I don't know. There's just enough moving parts that it's just a little tricky. Now, and again, like I like I want to stress, this isn't a technical challenge. You know, it isn't like, oh my God, how do I do this? It's just making it work really well and really simply and cleanly. From a user interface experience, you know, oh, per, that's uh, what I mean. That's what Apple is. I mean, if, if you think about it, I, I say that's what Apple is, but that is what the the whole UI of Apple. Like a lot of the time, they're not doing anything technically incredible. They're just presenting it in a very very simple way. Yeah, you know, I was I, I was gonna, I meant to tell you about this. I think I, I had it. I had something planned in my head that I was going to talk about on the show, but I kind of forgot. But essentially, I was doing my best to channel Steve Jobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Okay, how would Steve Jobs, you know, design this process? And there was some saying he had about, you know, focusing on the core and get rid of everything else and just, just show them only the minimal amount of information. I can't remember what it was, but I was I kept repeating that mantra to myself. It's like just it make it as simple as possible. Well, that's Sim- why you axed the scheduling calendar. So we had a scheduling calendar where you could select the hours. But then I got another email from you a couple of days ago saying, actually, you think you want the scheduling calendar back. So what's yeah, that? Okay. What's going on there? All right. So all right. why did you ask it, and why do you want it back, and why is it going to get asked again, and why do you want it back again? <laughs> well, you know what happens is like it's like it's like this um it's like this kind of uh you vacillating back and forth, but you're getting closer to the truth, right? You keep hopping on one side to the other. You know, too short, I'm too long. I'm too short, I'm too long. <laughs> but the differences are smaller, so you're iterating. It's sort of asymptotic, you know, mm. to the best answer. So the first idea was that the expert would go and say, you know, kind of show them when you're going to be open, right? When are you free? And we thought that'd be really cool. Show them with a with a, with like a calendar widget. Yeah, kind of like you kind of go like you go on Google calendars or your iCal, and you kind of like select. Okay, I'm free. I'm free these times. So that on the site, people and a client could come and go. Ooh, so and so is open tomorrow at three o'clock. Let's let's reserve it. But I I I, I came to realization that a lot of people aren't going to want their calendars public, right? Especially if they have a lot of free time. Like, hey, Justin never has any clients. <laughs> <laughs> Or let's say that you're doing this on the side and you have a full-time job, or let's say you're doing this um, and you have consulting work and you're you're with some clients and they're like, you know, wow, it's just like you're available all this time when you're working on our stuff. I I don't know. I just think it's kind of like 
you, I think you want to do is you want to mimic as closely as possible how it works in the real world. So when you call your doctor or your accountant or an attorney or your dentist and you want to set up a time, they don't have their whole calendar open there for you. Because first of all, it takes too much work for them to maintain. The secretary it. has the calendar. The person behind the desk has the calendar. They do. It's not visible. Like you, They can say, hey, so Justin, uh, you'd like to come in and get your uh, filling. When would you like to do it? <laughs> right? Yeah. Ask you. They're not going to say, hey, look at our calendar, right? Because first of all, it's too much work to maintain the calendar, right? Because what's happened is people have, you know, 50,000 other things going on in their lives other than updating this calendar, right? And if they don't update it and then, and then some client comes on and tries to reserve some time, it turns out they weren't free at all. Then you got a whole other set of problems, right? Well, so you don't want to do that. You've just convinced me 100% that we shouldn't have calendars. So now, to, now convince me why we should. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So that was when I said, okay, so I, so I said, right, if we mimic how it's done in the real world, then you as the client would say, hey, I'd like you to help me with X, Y, and Z. Um, could we do it sometime this week in the afternoon, you know, or maybe tomorrow in the morning? Okay. Well, the problem with that, that's, that sounds great, but the problem is you remember the difference between being on the phone with, say, the secretary is there's a quick back and forth. Right. Yeah. They can they know they can clarify. So what do you mean? Oh, yo, well, we, we're open at eight. We can do 8 a.m. to, you know, this. But this is a one way email. And, and, and if you get two emails back and forth, you're just going to lose people. It's just too confusing. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. It has to you have to get as much information in, e in each step as clearly communicated in each step. So if I say tomorrow afternoon and you're at a different time zone, I mean, what the hell does that mean? I don't mm -hmm. even know what afternoon. Do you mean afternoon? Is afternoon two to four, or is it twelve to six, or you know, or is that Eastern time or Pacific time? Oh, or are you in Australia? I mean, I have no idea, mm -hmm. right? I might not be aware that you're, you know, in a different time zone. So it just it's just a recipe for confusion. So what you so we need a calendar, but we need a way. So when you enter the dates, they should be able to specific times and dates. So enter a date and a time. And first, I was kind of doing it like. And, and maybe a first version might be this. It's just kind of like when you go to uh, Google Calendar, not in the calendar part when you say create an event, you just say, here's the date, and it kind of defaults to like tomorrow or something or today, and then it, and it defaults to the current time, and you just say, yeah, this time to this time. It makes so it pretty it's like it's not, it's not something that we're mapping through tables, through foreign keys or anything like that. It's just like a, an informative text field or something. Yeah, so like you, you just, just define some dates and some times. Mm -hmm. Now, and, and you just put some time ranges. Now, the, and, and, and initially what I was, but then what I realized is that it's a little annoying to have to do that for more than one day. It's just a little time consuming. It'd be really nice if you could just drag your cursor and just go, whoop, this time, this time, this time. And it gives you like four days or five days and you just like, you know, I'm over, you know, you can click on the times you're available. Yeah. It's really fast. And you just say, okay, these are the time ranges that I'm, I'm available. Can you do it in any of these times? That comes to the client, uh, to the expert and instead of them looking at a list of times and dates and kind of figure out in their head, like, when is that? Okay, so that's tomorrow. And them have to enter each one by hand that they could just kind of click on top of when you said it was open and say, oh, I can do it here, here, and here. Okay. That would be way slicker. Okay, way so, slicker. We're, so we're building like a slick UI widget to enable that. Um, and, but the UI widget, it's like a black box in its own right. It doesn't interact with anything like billing or, or does it? No, no. It's just, it's just a very just makes it very easy for the client and the expert to figure out when they're available, when they're going to work together and to pick those times. Okay. So you want me to make that? Yes. Can you just please make that? Sure. No problem. <laughs> it still reminds me of, I've told the story at least once before, but I'll do it again. It reminds me of when my little brother and I, I think I was probably like seven or eight or nine and he was two years younger than me and we're playing space. 
Okay, and I had gotten a couple of cardboard boxes and drawn a bunch of like computers on them. Like that was like the cockpit of the spaceship. Yeah. My closet, I took everything out of my closet and made my closet the cockpit of the spaceship. And I put the cardboard boxes with the computers on it. I'm like, that's my spaceship. And I go, all right, Jeff, I'm going to take off my spaceship. I'm going to close these doors. I'm going to take off my spaceship. When I land, I'm going to be on Mars. Now, make my room look like Mars. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so I just go and I close the doors and I make some, you know, rocket sounds or whatever. So he has to make it look like Mars in, in the yeah, middle of a few rocket sounds. Roughly 20 to 30 seconds. <laughs> he's like six or something. I open the door and my room looks exactly the same. It, not, it did not look like Mars at all. You can imagine my disappointment that, you know, <laughs> like he just couldn't make the magic happen. And I see that happen all the time in real life. It's like you just, you just close the doors and you just hope that some magic happens. You have no idea how they're going to do it. You're just kind of like, just please make it happen. But my experience, it almost never happens. It's the same reaction. It's the same outcome as my brother <laughs> and making parts. Nothing happens. They look at you like, oh, I was supposed to do something. <laughs> You're like, God, come on. Well, <laughs> how hard is it? Well, I'll, I'll definitely be able to make that happen. That won't be a problem. No, I know. I know you. I know this is well within your <laughs> ability. But I just, I, anyway, I think that's what needs to happen. That's one of the things I was going back and forth and back and forth with the UI. And I just realized certain things were too cumbersome mm-hmm. or new things were too loosey goosey and was going to create all kind of confusion. So I think that's what you need to do. But to take a step back on foo, so you were getting a little concerned because I had put a couple posts up on Google Plus over the past week and a half that referenced Epic Night, and you were getting a little nervous that I wasn't spending any time on foo. Is that correct? A little nervous, I thought, because you're, cause you're like me, you know, like new, new kind of passion projects come into your life and you get a little bit involved with them, like, uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I, well, here's the thing is, I... I um, I mean, see, that's not the case. So, AnyFoo is my core, you know. Well, I mean, I work with, I work on App Ignite, uh, probably an average of four afternoons a week with Guyon. Yeah. Uh, for like an hour and a half, hour to an hour and a half. So that's like a set time, right? Um, now, before AnyFoo, a lot of times on the weekends I'd work on App Ignite, but right now, um, that time is allocated to AnyFoo because I feel like AnyFoo is something that we can get up and that can be making revenue relatively quickly right uh app ignite is a bigger project that is just taking more time and i think you know as you know it's like it's not all up to us it's partially up to our wives right (laughs) right i mean they have a say in what we're allocating our time to because i mean obviously you could do whatever you want but you understand that if your wife thinks that you're not spending time on the right thing week after week after week after week, they're going to get pretty grumpy. So when and she so when she comes in and you say I'm spending time on any food, then she's kind of in a in a in a happier mood than. Well, if- she has the same reaction as you do, which is like, oh, great, sweet. Yeah. All right, you, you know, she's like, well, do you want me to take a, uh, take the kids out to the movies today so you can work on any food? You know, I mean, she's like trying to facilitate it because she also believes that it has real potential, and she also doesn't see it as a gigantic engineering feat like Epic Night. Right. She sees Epic Night. I mean, she sees Epic Night as it could work. I mean, she thinks, yeah, she sees how it could be valuable. But she says, you know, it's just been taking a long time. It's been almost two years, right? So she's like, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, her dad is sort of this genius inventor, and he's got all these patents on optics and, and on optics and most mechanical stuff. He's and, a really nice guy. I, I met him when we were down in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And so, but, you know, but he worked on this sort of this, 
really advanced three-dimensional kind of, I, you know, I can't even talk about it. I think it's still kind of, but let's just say there was a medical device. Yeah. And uh, they've teamed up with uh, a, a big R&D company and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, but he worked on the thing. I swear to God, it was like 12 years, 10 years. I mean, right. It was just like never ending. So I th- and so when things start to bleed, you know, take, on, take too long, Sandy just starts getting this really bad, like, like, here we go. Yeah. It's just so it's you're her dad's project all over again. And um, I think she views any foo as something that's very pragmatic that makes sense from a business perspective that can get, that can, you know, she's like, you know, do Epic night, fine, keep up with it, but, you know, just get this any food thing knocked out. I think please. so. Yeah. I mean, I think so as well. So, so you, you were saying that I was a little bit nervous and you were right. And then you were going to give me some justification about that, why I shouldn't be nervous. Yeah. So, well, for, for Google plus for me as turning into be kind of an outlet for just ideas um, right. for, things that I want to think a little bit about or I'm thinking about, but I can't actually, I may, may not have time to really explore or, 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 or develop. Um, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. So if you don't allow yourself to think or do something about it, it's just not possible. At least for me, I have to scratch that itch. It's, just, it's like trying to ignore an itch yeah. on your back of your neck. You're just like, damn it, I'm going to. So, and then a simple way to do it is like, hey, if I'm thinking about it, you can maybe read about, print some stuff out or, or read about it at night. And then, uh, you know, you, put, you know, write a thought or two on, on something like Google Plus. Mm-hmm. So if I write something about that's completely off topic, you shouldn't be like, oh, my God, Jason, what are you thinking about? Just, you know, <laughs> understand that that's. It's almost know. like you need Google because you're, cause you, you're trying to grow your following with Google Plus and you're trying to make it, you're trying to get um, more notoriety on it. It's almost like you need a public Google Plus account, except it's private to Justin. I, I can't see anything you write, but the whole world can. Yeah, you know, I would just say don't worry about it. I just say relax. <laughs> you know, right. I don't quit on stuff. And uh, you know, we're going to get this stuff. I mean, a lot of it is done. A lot of a lot of hard stuff is is done. Um, and we still have some more to do. But um, yeah, we got to get this thing done pretty soon. I want to get this it's up. It's funny. Really soon. I, I've been thinking about Anyfu and you know the way that it's moving forward and the way that it's going. It's a funny situation. And and this this the way that I'm going to describe this may sound critical, but I don't mean it to be critical in any way. I just mm. want to describe the thought process of it. It's like, basically, because, because App Ignite is your baby and because you're designing it with App Ignite, because it's, you want to 100% do the back end, it's, I'm sort of in this situation of having tied hands. Like, I, you know, if, if we were doing on some kind of shared um, framework or something, like I could be pushing ahead and, and moving forward with the development of that. I know there's plenty of other stuff to do with Anyfu. You know, you, uh-huh. you, we've discussed it. There's lots of other non-technical stuff, but it's just a strange experience. Like I've never had that experience where, and, and I, I think this must be what it's like for a, a business guy, right? So I've never been in this position of the business guy, you know? Yeah. For, so for stage one of Anyfu, I'm the tech geek and you're the business guy. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to do the business stuff. And I sent you an email list of things that need to be done. Yeah. I mean, you could build this calendar thing so you can, you can do some of that. But I'm like, you know, that's why I feel like the, 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 a lot of the partnerships that work really well is when you have complementary skill sets as opposed to two business guys or two tech guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you can get two tech guys, but one of them is willing to do the, non, the business stuff, then you're, you're fine. But... You know, and I look, I always like, I think a central desktop, you know, Isaac and Arnoff, who are good friends of mine, um, are, are like the perfect example because uh, 
Arnold was a, was a was a tech guy, but he had really good business sense. He's not some he's not some guy who just says, "Hey, just tell me what you're building, I'll build." It. I mean, he has very strong sense of the market and the, and the revenue model and everything. Right? Isaac is the business guy, but he's been working the tech world for a long time, so he does understand the tech at a, to a certain level. But they divided the le- there was a very clear division of labor there, and so they were very effective in that way. Um, and I think that it, you know if, if you can. Get that if you can have two partners where you can somehow manage that division of labor, you're going to be in good shape. Because a lot of times, what happens is you get two tech guys, and one, and neither of them really wants to do the t- the business stuff, so the business stuff just never gets done. Yeah, and you just write code forever. Yeah, and and there is a lot of business stuff, you know, and and the tasks that you sent over, I mean, I'm perfectly happy to do, and uh, I know they're pretty in depth, and it's like uh, a couple of weeks worth of research. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. When you saw that, when I said that, I'm like, he's gonna love this. Yeah. But, but it's no, like, it does need to be done. It's like, like, it's like our tire rider action was like, so are you done yet? Yeah, are you done yet? I'm like, dude, you know what? <laughs> here's some here's some stuff for you to do. Yeah. If you have nothing to do, it sounds like you need something to do. Yeah. Here you go. And it was like, but, but I wasn't doing it just to be, you know, an ass. I was just trying to say, look, here's some things that if we're going to launch and we're going to make this thing really work, this stuff's got to get done. Right. And you might as well do it because you're just sitting around getting, you know, you know, being impatient that things aren't done. So just do this. I'll do what I need to do and we'll meet in the middle and we'll, you know, get this thing off the ground. And And that's, and that's how it should work. And to give listeners an idea of what that work is, it's basically um, the creation of all of the IP uh, legal documents, certainly the skeleton of them, and also the sourcing and finding of all of the experts. <laughs> yeah, so well, here's, here's an interesting uh, topic. That might, I don't know, it might generate some comments, but it was the idea is, okay, we, we thought, okay, let's launch with 300 experts, kind of like the movie, The 300. Uh, yeah. That that would be kind of a fun a fun branding concept, but it also sounds like okay if you went on Stack Overflow, Stack Overflow is a good example because you can figure out what the the popularity of topics are by uh, the number of questions that are asked, so you can find out what the fifty most popular tagged technical questions are. Right, so that's a pretty good proxy if you use that for what we should probably cover. So right? fifty by fifty into three hundred. So yeah, so six experts per now. That's just a rough. That's just a rough guideline. Now, maybe some, you know, you might want eight, you know, seven or eight or nine. You know, the one or so, sort of a smaller. You might have two people on it or whatever. I mean, I don't think it's that big a deal. But I'm just, it's just a, just a, just a, uh, a back of the napkin calculation, right? Okay? Because of course Half we're talking about serious experts. We're talking about people who've written books on the subject, and, and I mean, not everyone's going to write a book yeah. because it's just not that you know, there's not that many of them. But you, you, the kind of people you want, you want people who Aren't, if you have an expert, but they don't have any sort of public footprints, like you, you, you want something that people can immediately identify, oh, that guy, you know. Like if you hire someone and, 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 you, and you're trying to explain to somebody real quick why you hired that person, it's like, oh, yeah, man, he's the guy who wrote this book and he spoke at this conference. Yeah. People will be like, wow, great. You know, you want that the kind of reaction you want. It, exactly. And, and that's exactly the experience that I had going for the interview with the Company 52 guys because they're like, well, you know, well, you know, it's, it's, You've been listening to his podcast, and you know, he's been doing this, and you know, so it, it was exactly like that. It was very funny. Yeah, so you want you want this public footprint. So, and that's all, that'll be it's something we'll have to deal with later. And but I think, and it's not that we can't have experts on there that don't have quite the immediate name um, sort of recognition. Um, but we'd have to go through more of a verification process. So, for instance, if you said, okay, we want you know people on there to cover Django, 
right? It would be great to have some of the Django core team on there, right? right. But what you don't want is you want people who are so successful that they're, they're like, you know, I'm a millionaire, dude. Why would I do, be on there? Yeah. Right. I mean, or I have a startup, a funded startup, and I have no time for the foreseeable year and a half. So they're not going to be good to be have on there because there is unrealistic. They're not going to have any time. Mm -hmm. um, you want people on there who they could have a full-time job, but they wouldn't mind doing some on the weekends or in the evenings or on occasion, you, you, you know, or freelancers or, or whatever. People who they've done a lot of open source, they've written books, they've done some important things, but they're not filthy rich or otherwise occupied. Those are the people you want. Those are your first set. Now, we can get people who have less um, immediate recognition value of like what their expertise is, but I would push that to later till after the brand has already established itself. And then we have like, we have the resources to verify. If someone says they're an expert in C++, okay, show us. I mean, explain to us exactly. I know you've worked inside this large company and you've done nothing in the public, so show us why you're a badass. So you I know? just need to find 300 of those types of people. Yeah, well, I see. Break it down one by one. Like, let's go Python and Rails, Ruby and Rails. Yeah. Like, just pick uh, and Node.js. Okay, hit the Rails. Okay, go in. Go. All, who wrote all the books on Rails? Are there any of this? Okay, obviously, DHH and some of those people are going to be way too busy. They're yeah. not going to do. But there are other people who would. And you go down and say, let's see all the books. Let's go Ruby Conf. Who are the speakers? Who wrote some of these core libraries? Okay, let's see if I come up with a list of some good potential candidates. And then what we could also do is then you could reach out to people like, you know, come over listeners who are big Ruby on Rails people like Pat Maddox and, um, you know, Peter Cooper and Amy Hoy and say, got any ideas? Who, sh who should we have on there? Yeah. And they might like, you like, you know what? You got to get this person, this person, this person. They'd be great for it. And, 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 but you can't go to them first because you need to do your research and understand sort of the lay of the land a little bit. I, don't, I think you kind of want to like, you know, figure out what the books and the conferences and the libraries are. Like get a sense of, you know, it's kind of like an anthropologist. You're going to go into this little micro niche and go, okay, who, who's who? Right? I do think that, that that kind of gives us a bit of a strong position, having the podcast and the networks that we do, the network that we do and the people that we know. It's great to be able to do that, you know, to have that kind of um, research pool as well as just going and doing cold research. Yeah. Now, here's the next here's the next idea I have. And I'm, I'm kind of hesitant and I, I, I'm hesitant to bring it up because I don't want to use it as like an easy way out for you. <laughs> OK, but OK, so the idea of having a big launch, but this is the other idea of launching one or two verticals a week. OK, huh. Rails, Django, Node and C++, Java, and, you know, you know Go, whatever, But it's not right? going to look very impressive if you, it, like, if you launch with just six people once every no, two weeks. No, I know. So you wouldn't want to do that. But, like, let's say that you were, said, okay, because what I'm thinking is if you launched, here are a couple of, here, here are the pros and the cons of each, right? So if you launched one, you know, let's say, let's say you launched with five verticals, right? But they were all kind of closely related. So it's kind of like we got, a lot of things that were like, say, the Ruby community or the Python community, something. So it's all kind of like stuff that's similar. And then people who write the blogs or, and are in that world would be real excited about it, right? All the people who say, oh, yeah, so-and-so, you know, because you, you, a lot of them would be friends and they'd like, oh, I'm putting a profile up on foo, and, you know, you might be able to do that. And then every week or two, you say, okay, we're launching a new vertical, we're launching another one. And it's like one after the other. And then you have, or instead, of, instead of doing, you know, five or six, you launch, you know, 15 to 20 experts in Node.js hmm. next week, right? And you've had 20 experts in MongoDB. Well, I'll right? tell you what I like about that idea. It's very MVP. 
um, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of very iterative. So rather than going for the big explosion, we go for the small drip feed, and we learn as well each with each iteration we learn because because we'll start being in a situation where people will start doing business sooner. So therefore, we will let down less people because we'll we'll be learning faster. Yeah, and that's 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 one strength, right? You learn, so it's like okay, we don't have to. You know, we don't have to make a bunch of mistakes. And, we, you know, before we have, we, we, we make smaller mistakes. Yeah. Um, but it, I'm, I'm thinking also, it's like, when you think of like um, how PR works for a lot of startups, really the kiss of death, or not the kiss of death, but the mistake people make is they have one big launch and then it's just crickets. It's nothing. Yeah. What you want is lots of little things for people to talk about. Like, why is this interesting? So if you keep launching new verticals, new experts jump on, you have something that somebody might want to write about or talk about or tweet about. Yeah. It's kind of like when we interviewed my, uh, Michael, uh, I can't remember his last name from Nosby. Yeah. And he always talk about like, well, the, he'd always get a big jump is, um, in, in users because whenever he launched new features, because whenever he launched new features and he could notify the blogs that cover the space, Hey, I got these new features. You might want to write about it. And occasionally he'd get some people to write about it and they'd write about it and we'd get some notoriety and he'd bring us new users. But it's not like we could keep up. Let's say, for example, we started with Ruby guys and we had some guys who had a Ruby blog. Like, then we added some PHP guys. It's not like we could then say to the Ruby blog, hey, we've just no. added PHP guys to Anyfoo. No, they're not going to care. No, it's not. They're not going to care. And, and, but the PHP guys are going to care. Right. So the PHP guys are talking about it. Right. Okay. And then, talk, and then, and then you get, you know, MongoDB and Cassandra on there and all the people who are MongoDB and Cassandra community. So, I mean, not everybody's going to care. But there'll be some people in that world who might find it worth their time to tweet about it or blog about it. Yeah. Right? So you have constant, like this constant stream of, of, uh, of publicity. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking rather than having one big Uber launch, you have lots of mini launches just constantly. But what about, when, what about the fact that if, if you don't launch with the 300 and the 50 different verticals, um, and by the way, it's still not boiling the ocean because it's it's just tech expertise. So I don't think it's too much boiling the ocean. But what about if if you don't launch that way, then someone comes along and they're like, "Oh, well, there's only Ruby on Rails guys here, but I'm I'm PHP," you know, for the well, customers. The, the, yeah. Well, what you say is okay. Here's what you can do: is um, I mean, you know, people do a search and say, you know, if someone does a search for PHP, right, and that's not covered. You know, let's say, well, we're, we're coming soon. You know, we don't, you know, we could have certain things like these are coming up within two, three weeks. These are, you know, stay and tuned. And we track the searches. And if there's any number of searches, we, we go, okay, holy shit, we need to get PHP, guys. Oh, no, we absolutely need to log the f- searches for that kind of thing. I mean, there'll be a lot of nonsensical searches and misspellings and stuff, but there'll be a lot of searches for things that are return zero results. And especially we want to return things that we might come up with like a pre-allocated list of like tech terms of like a 500 tech terms or something like that. And when any of those things come up, you know, and we, we got like a counter, you know, we've had 450 searches for MongoDB in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should get that sooner. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So I, that's my thoughts on any, we should probably change topics because I don't, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no, it's true. But, but I don't really care that we are just focusing on, on Plugio and any because we haven't spoken for two weeks and um, we, we've done the interview and this, it fulfills the whole startup aspect of the show a bit, a little bit better than, than talking about random tech stuff. However, you probably do have a few topics that you'd like to bring up at this stage. We're uh, over an hour into the show. 
Um, you, you know, um, actually, I don't have any specific topics because uh, I don't know. I got really behind on my reading, I guess. Yeah. But um, I have a couple of things that I was thinking about. Um, so it was interesting. Um, you know, I, I wrote that, that, that blog post about um, why I quit algorithmic trading to do um, yeah. startups. And so now I've been getting emails. I've been kind of emailing back and forth with two, three, three different people who are involved or four, I guess if you include Sean Tang, <laughs> um, you know, so like just emails back and forth about the subject. Right. Which, which scares is me because now you're going to stop doing any food and you're going to start working no, on an algorithmic trader. No, no, you need to chill out about that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I already got five things going on anyway. So, um, but uh, there, there's this one, one, one of them was in regards to a potential consulting contract. Um, for a, 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 a trading uh, a tool that yeah. needed to be developed. And so that's a good, that was a good outcome of you writing something like that. Like someone says, hey, you know, can you build something for me? And I'll pay you. But it was interesting. And I, one thing I, I said to him, I don't want to give any names or anything like that because I, I didn't really run it by him. But um, I guess one thing I talked about with him is, hey, if, you, if, if, if the price is a little steep, you know, there's another couple of traders that want something like this. Just go get them and 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 just like pull the cash and you know, obviously, you can each have a copy or something, right? Yeah. I said, or what you could do is go into like an elite trader, one of these other trader forums, and say, talk about what you're thinking about getting developed, and see if there's any interest, and if people want to put in some money, um, like a twenty dollar deposit, you know, and you get ten people in, then uh, maybe we'll just build it. You know, and you know, we'll split the cash or, or something like that. You know, I was just throwing out some options like that. Yeah, and, and just to figure like how how could finance the building of it. I mean, I'm not just going to build it on a on a whim or anything. But if if someone can pay something up front, or we get some kind of pretty good indication, that if I build this thing, people are going to pay for it in short, very short order. And this is like a small project. This is like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, week of, a week of work, um, which means what four and a half years. I think was the you know there's there, uh, there's there's farming initiatives like that. So basically, you you pay the farmer. For, your, for the produce that you expect to consume within the year, and he tries to get something like 500 people. And so basically his entire wages are paid for the year, and then he grows stuff and gives it to you through the year. So, It was really interesting because he goes, he came back and he said, well, um, here's how I think you create, you create interest. He's like, I don't think there's interest for this other tool, but these two tools I think there's been interest for. And he's like, I think we could build interest by doing this, posting this in the forum, posting the profitability of it uh, based on using the tool, get some YouTube videos and this stuff. And I'm like, wow, well, this guy sounds like a real entrepreneur. I mean, he was really validating the market and how would you, would, how would you develop, build a reputation and how would you drum up interest and how would you connect with users and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I was like, I was impressed that because he was very it was very sort of uh, clear th- a lot of clear thinking on the subject cool. and, like how you make it happen and he's like oh yeah i've been listening to texting you guys i learned a lot <laughs> ah. like, like i'm like you learned that from our show i was like i don't remember talking about that kind of stuff in quite a while but i like that was kind of cool awesome. uh that uh, someone's actually learned something from what we've talked about oh, I'd say, but, I'd say uh, a lot of people have learned but, a lot but that was uh, that was pretty cool. So I don't know. I mean, in terms of the algorithmic trading stuff, um, it's certainly having after done the interview, it definitely got me thinking a little more about it. I have a couple blog post ideas in mind, things that I might write. I well, mean, what I think about it's kind of- Google? I mean, Google Plus itself. Like, how's that working out for you? I know that you pushed something and it didn't get anywhere that you were expecting to get on Hacker News. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I wrote. I spent a little time. I wrote. Uh, I had a Flash developer email me, um, and uh, it was actually a listener. 
um, emailed me and said basically that he he he's been a Flash developer and he feels like he's on an island when the and the, in the uh, he sees the sea level rising very quickly mm. <laughs> and he's like I need to I need to you know come up with a new a new a new hustle you know <laughs> and uh, he said he, he applied to some jobs that were like C plus plus in Java because that's what he studied in school and he'd done some work in there but he didn't get any bites because he just didn't have a whole lot of work experience in those fields and so I wrote a I, I first I was going to write him a short email, um, but then I decided to write him a really in-depth email and then make it uh, like a Google Plus post. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. And so I spent, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours on it. Wow. And, That's some um, real time there. Yeah, so some real time. I mean, it wasn't like it was a 20-minute email or something. but um, And uh, I just made it a Google Plus post. I didn't make it like a you know, a blog article kind of thing. Google, I think I sort of feel like Google plus is kind of the in between, right? It's like, it's not, it's not something that's going to four hour, you know, I'm going to try and ring the bell with this thing on hacker news. This is going to be a, you know, like a a piece that's going to sit on my website that I can reference for years from now. If someone wants to know something that I've thought about or something I've done, go to, go to one of my articles. This is more like, I think something that's more of the moment that could be interesting. And so I did it that way. And, uh, yeah, you know, it didn't, it, it was, I had sort of the experience of you with your last post that I really felt like I should have gone because I, I thought the advice, my advice essentially was like, look, if what you want to do is you want to, you want to skate where the puck is going, not where it's been. And you want to go to the cutting edge because if you go to something like, um, and, and what I suggested do is I said, go do, you know, do backbone JS and on the, on the front end, so do JavaScript and Backbone on the front end and do like Node.js and Mongo in the back end and build a project using that, come up with some kind of you know, fun project, something you want to do, you build for yourself and build it and then write a series of tutorials about the process, starting from you know, part one, goodbye flash, hello, full stack JavaScript, <laughs> and write a bunch of like how you installed each one and, and, and what you're going to do. And step two, you know, what the idea is and what you're going to start building and just chronicle the whole thing. And my idea was that if you come up with a project and then you can actually have something you built and you can show people so people can come and say, hey, this guy built a really high quality functioning product, um, even if it's simple, and you have a series of, of tutorials that I've talked about on the show, we'll create a lot of SEO um, for him and people searching for you know, articles on tutorials on Backbone might end up on his site. That's right? great advice. And... Because there's not a lot of people who are experts on that kind of stuff, you're going to stand out. Now, if you go try and become an expert in C++, I mean, it's good luck, you know, right? I mean, it's like tons of people have, you know, decades of experience in it, you know? And you, you have a hard time demonstrating that you have any kind of... Even if you spent like two years writing a bunch of stuff, people are going to still think of you as kind of a newbie. But if you spent two months working with Backbone, you're like an expert on the web, yeah. right? And, uh, and I said, I think these, this sort of full-stack JavaScript is going gonna, is gonna to be a bigger and bigger deal. I really think that's going to be... Um, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more stuff being done with that. And um, I said, but I think that's the core. Node.js, and the, I said, might as well do Node.js in the back end because it's just the same language. And Backbone is going to be sort of your MVC front end. I think that has more... Mind share and has more momentum than the the, the competitors. Um, and uh, if you did that, you could within say three months or so, you know, you'll have enough tutorials written, enough of your project written. You'll have enough info that you'll probably have offers from other startups. You'll have you'll have people who might want to help have you work with them, do freelance work or whatever. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Three to six months tops. So, so what did he say? 
he was like, holy crap, that's a long email. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he was very appreciative. I mean, he, he said he felt kind of guilty because he, you know, he listened to the show and he knows how busy I am, but he uh, was hoping to get some feedback. And, so you, know, you submitted so, to Hacker News and where did it go? What happened? Didn't get anything. I, I, I don't know. I see the problem is. But how many, how many upvotes did it get? I don't know, like five or something like that. Mm. But the problem is, is that, okay, here's a couple things. One, it was fairly long. And when you submit something that people aren't going to upvote almost reflexively, like they just agree with, like people sometimes upvote stuff just that are reflexivity. They think other people should know about it. So they haven't read the article. They're just like, oh yeah, this is totally true. Or this is totally cool. Yeah. Um, but it's, so if it's not that, and it's a longer article, people aren't going to have time to read it on the new page before it's off in 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops. Because yeah. if, you, if you submit it on a Tuesday at, you know, or Wednesday. That, that's why that should have been submitted on a Saturday. If you just submitted yeah. it on a Saturday, that would have gone all the way. Yeah, I think so. Um, so that's something I learned. So if it's short, if it's like, you know, 300 words or three or four paragraphs or something, then people can read it and turn around and upvote it within five to 10 minutes and you might have a shot. But otherwise... You know, I, I think you're, you're, it's just too risky. And I, I was kind of bummed. And then I was sort of, I felt like, because on Google Plus alone, it got 21 upvotes. Yeah. And like seven reshares. And I don't know how many comments. Yeah, so, so that goes to prove that it, I mean, in the microcosm of Google Plus, that proves that it was, it was contagious. Of my 390 followers, yeah. full circle, which is nothing compared to, you know, um, to Hacker News, people thought it was really uh, uh, interesting, you know, something interesting. It was worth reading. So it showed me that, it, you know, so it, yeah, I think it would have been, I think it could have gone, I think it should have gone, but I just learned that lesson. But, um, and, and, and it's not like people, up, up, I mean, because I, I, I post some stuff up there and it's not like everything gets a bunch of up. It's not like everyone's like, hey, Jason's my friend. Here's yeah, a plus. Yeah. People don't do that. I mean, there's, there's plenty of them that have like, you know, one or two up pluses. Okay, it's uh, it's 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 legitimate. So anyway, so you so you could potentially, I mean, you could easily repurpose that, put it on your blog, and submit it on a Saturday. Yeah, so I may do it. I may redo it, like rewrite it a little bit, clean it up, and and give it a, and put it on my blog, and maybe do a, a, a um, you know, give it another shot. But I have a couple other things that I kind of want to write about. So I think I think it would be. I don't think I don't think it would be right to just like do a cut and paste. I think I'd have to kind of rework it and make it a little different. Yeah. to repost it. So, and I'm just not interested. I mean, I kind of wrote my thoughts on it, so I, I'm just not in the mood to like rewrite it again. Yeah. And I have a couple other ideas that one, one that I want to write about, I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I think I have some interesting takes on it is, uh, can machine learning beat the market? Is it evolutionary machine learning that you're talking about? Well, those are just evolution, uh, you know, like evolutionary, evolutionary neural nets and things like that. That's just a, that's just one approach. There's lots of different methods and they can all achieve the same thing. So like when you read a paper on like some, you know, machine learning method, they'll, they'll say, Hey, well, so we tried support vector machines and we tried K nearest neighbor. We tried, uh, you know, neural nets and we tried this and we tried that. So they'll have like, they can all solve the problem. It's just some work better on certain types of problems, certain types of data, certain types. I'm trying to map certain types of relationships. So yeah, no, I wouldn't be talking specifically about neural nets. Okay. Um, in, in this case, I'm thinking a little bit of a higher level, but I, I've just I've thought a lot about this, and I got a lot of of. of um, so, do you think of, ultimately yes or no, or is it in the middle? I mean, what what do you think? Uh, jury's a little bit out. I think it. I think it. I think it leans towards being possible. I think it is possible. Um, I think it's like, but I think it's kind of like. Uh, 
startups are losing weight, which is that it's hard. And if I, if you go and you talk to 20 people and you know, how many of them went on a diet and actually two years later kept the weight off, you know, maybe five, five percent of them, you right. know, 10 percent. Yeah. That's right. Now, if you went and talked to five of them and randomly at even point in time, say, Hey, have you tried to like, Oh yeah, it totally doesn't work. I deal with stuff and I gain a white back. You would assume it's not possible, right? You would say if, if you, if all you've ever met in your life were five people who really wanted to lose weight and tried and all failed, you just say, yeah, it's just not possible. Right. <laughs> That's, right. I mean, or startups like, oh, five people tried startups and they all failed. So it's just not possible. No, it was not possible for them because it's hard. You know, it's very hard and you got to do it in the right way. And um, I think that's, that's kind of my take on it. But I have, I've, there's a lot of smart people who, have, who are on different sides of the aisle on this one. And there's a lot of things pointing in different directions. And no one's really ever talked about it in that way. And so I'm going to bring all this in one article and, and talk about it. I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be good. Um, so anyway, that's, I think that's my next one because okay. it kinda, it's kind of written in my head. So it's like, I can just write this. All right. Well, don't do it within the next, don't do it before <laughs> the release of any food. <laughs> oh, no, it's going to come before the release oh, of any food. <laughs> I, I, mean, yeah, I have other stuff to do, you know. I, I have to write. You know, I have to. Well, so, so you're, you're not really jumped on the Google Plus bandwagon, huh? Well, you know, I mean, it's a funny thing because Twitter suits me a lot better because I, I can get a lot less committed. I mean, I'm not, I, you're much better at, at relationships than I am. Mine isn't really about relationships. But see, you're much better at just basically right, you know, put, putting in more effort into building relationships, I think. I'm, 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 a little, I'm not so good at that. And I think that's, you know, the, the fractal of that is, is that I'm, Twitter suits me because I can just kind of put something out, read a few things, put something out, and not get very committed or involved or invested. Whereas you've always been much better at comments than I have, you know, because you can put that time and it's just your personality. You know, you're the guy who stands in the, in the queue to buy a sandwich and talks to everyone in the queue, right? <laughs> right. Gotcha. You're the guy yeah, who basically comments to everyone on the blog and you're the guy who can use Google Plus and comment to everyone. I'm just not that. I'm, I'm just more of a standalone kind of person. So, I think. so here's my question to you. Well, see, see here's the thing. The difference between you know, Google Plus and say something like Twitter yeah. is, I, you know, I, I think people are still figuring it out, but here's, I'll give you my, what I think works on Google Plus, which is that the whole like, hey, check out this link. I don't think that's enough on Google Plus. Right, no, no, I don't no. think, I, I mean, it's just sort of like, because it takes up a lot of space and it, one entry takes up a lot of space. So on Twitter, if someone just says, here, check out this link. Oh, this was neat. Oh, hey, look at that. You know, it's like people can just sort of ignore it. But it's like... Well, it's very momentary, still- very momentary Twitter. It's just about what's in the moment. So just when you, when you look at Twitter, there's like 20 tweets. And if something catches your fancy, that's interesting. So it doesn't bug you that maybe 100 tweets would have flipped by in the past hour or whatever. You're just focused on what you look at at that moment. Right. Where so Google Plus is 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 since you can only see like two or three, maybe four posts on a page at any given time. So if like one person like over posts and 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 you open up and it's just like five or six posts from them in a single day, you're like, dude. <laughs> you right. Know? It's like chill out, especially when they're all just like, hey, read this link. It's like do some more work, write something interesting. You know, synthesize. <laughs> well, just follow them. Well, I do. Well, actually, this one guy who. He was clearly a smart guy. He was clearly an interesting guy, but he just overposted. And I was just like, 
you know what? I just, I can't. And he, like, I mean, I only called him for like one <laughs> yeah. day. I'm like, I can't. I'm just, I'm just not. I mean, like. This is incredible. Okay. Th- this is what I'm talking about. Like, you've got 300 people and you've got this one guy and you're like, you know what? This one guy, I just, I just can't. Like, it's too much. Like, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even give it that much thought. Like, that's, that's the point. Like, when I use Twitter, I'm just like, oh, what's happening now? I'll look at it for a second. But you, you're very kind of meticulous and, and, and. Yeah, I only follow people who are posting really interesting original stuff. If they're just pointing to stuff that's on Hacker News, like, what do I care? You know, it's like, it's not interesting. You're just wasting my brain space. I think it shows what a nice guy you are. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> just because you, like, you're very attentive and caring and focused on what everyone's saying. You, like, that's, I think that's what's going no, on. No, I'm not. No, it's not. It's, it's, well, it's like, I'm just not very forgiving, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Like, it shows what an awful guy you are. Oh, it's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I'm following you. Like, I'm not going to pretend, right? If you're just going to, if you're just going to say, hey, check out this link, that's all you're doing. It's like zero value to me, almost. So that's why I Twitter mean, doesn't work for you. Because like, for example, the, the only way that I've managed to grow my following is by following people who I don't know anything about. And then they follow me back. You, that is like abhorrent for you. You could never to me, I, do I that. I feel like that's. I feel like that's fraudulent. That's, it's like it's like walking up to somebody in a room and and and, and just like looking at them really closely, like you're listening to every word, world, every, every word, even though you'd have give no idea, you have no care in the world who they are. And as soon as they pay attention, you say, "All right, I'm out of here." It's like I don't care who you is, are. It's, it's I'm gonna terrible. pretend that I care who you are, so you'll care who I am. So you basically really care about the how, how many people do you follow? Uh, like fifty something. Okay, and that's good. I mean, to be honest, that actually. I have this sub list of um, people that I follow, and people there are there you go, th- and, and that's people like Amy Hoy. You're on that list, but you never post anything. It's people like Amy Hoy, Peter Cooper, um, and and I guess maybe twenty five, thirty other people. So that's the the constant list that I look at. Rob Walling, I'll bet. Yeah, Rob Walling. Yeah, people who people who very closely aligned interests and people who do original post original thoughts. Yeah, well, sometimes I mean, some some of them don't, but when they when they post links, they're really great links. I mean, Sebastian posts a lot of links, but it's always great stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really into the link because I, I you know, it's like I feel like I got my between RSS reader and Hacker News. It's like I'm, I'm I got more than I can read. Right. So what I'm hoping for is some kind of original or interesting insight, and that's what I try and do. I try either to stimulate a discussion, or I try and I and you know put enough effort and say, okay, you know, obviously not everything that, that I post is going to be, you know, worthy of a Pulitzer or anything like that. I'm not trying to, you know, overstate what I'm able to do, but I'm trying, I trying to be like, what's my best, most interesting thing that I can post today. Well, you can't even get that with Twitter because with 140 characters, no, I mean, you can't get massive insight, you know? No, you can't. I, no, you I've, can't. Get, I've <laughs> used startup guild, I think in the way that you are using Google plus, like I like looking in there and seeing, to be honest, Startup Guild people have been writing some amazing stuff recently, and they've been having some great success. I don't have any um, exact uh, people or examples, but over the last couple of weeks, there's been quite a few times when Startup Guild members have got stuff to, like, they've rung the bell on Hacker News, and they've just been making a big, uh, a big shake-up. So, yeah. 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 No, I think it's cool. I mean, I, I, I feel like, well, it's that hack... Uh, Startup Guild does a lot of overlap with listeners on our show, right? right. So, I, and, and and again, at the same time, there are also a lot of people who are on Google Plus who I see, um, who I know from the show. So I pay, you know, closer attention to them 
you know, I definitely like following. So I like following on Startup Guild for stuff like that. But um, the only thing of uh, Startup Guild is having to log in there. So it's like it's not like it's my default, like Google Plus. Yeah. It's like I, I, haven't started, I haven't checked in Startup Guild in a day or so two. Do so do you I have Google go, Plus as your default over Gmail? No, no, no. I mean, well, it's just I'm in Gmail all day long, right? Email is how I communicate with the world, you know, for most things. And, you know, I, it'll have these little notifications like, you know, little pluses like, hey, you know, you got three new comments and a reshare or something. Then I click on it, find out what's going on, you know, on uh, Google+. Plus. But I, I disabled all the emails because I didn't want to be emailed every single time somebody commented on something or whatever. You know what's really good is the notifications thing in Google+. Plus. So on the top right-hand side where it's got the little red number and it shows you the new things, the overlay divs. It's quite clever the way that they've, they've done that. No, it's well done. I, I think Google+, Plus is. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I don't... We don't have to keep going on about it, but it's something that uh, I, it works for me. I like it. I hope it continues to grow because it is. I, th- I think the format is it's the right combination. I mean, you know, Facebook is your friends and family. Twitter is about shared interest, but it's so um, just uh, there's so little value to me because there's so sh- there's so little information. And Google Plus is kind of kind of combines the best of both. I think. Yeah. But I, I ask you a question. Shoot. So are you back to auto posting links? Because there's some links on there. I'm not sure you read. Nope. I'm not. I'm not back to auto posting. I am okay. fully You're- vetting and reading anything that I post, <laughs> and it's stuff okay. that I find interesting or that I think that my my followers will find interesting. Okay, all right. Because there was some, what, it was something that a- Alex Gemmel you forwarded me about the no sequel. What was that? The whole thing about Oracle put out this whole thing called about debunking the no sequel hype. Yeah, but no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested in no sequel. I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I thought that was kind of funny. He said in the email something like, "I don't know if you read it. I'm guessing you didn't, <laughs> but it was interesting." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That's right. Nice shot, Alex." <laughs> Oh, like Alex that. is going to be happy that you said that. Yeah, like, that was great, Alex. Take a take a couple more, another, take a couple more shots. Those are good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, where are we on time now? Well, we're we're. I think we've we've we got a few more minutes. We've we got, got a, a few minutes. more minutes to if you've got anything else to bring up, anything interesting. Well, let's see. What what have you? Uh, what have you been thinking about? What else is going on with? You? <laughs> um. Well, I've just got. I've been working with the guys, so I've, I've, I'm doing four hours a day for them and uh, working on various projects, which is, which is good. But think about that, been thinking about the redesign of Plugio and yeah. what it should look like. And I'm thinking very minimalist, kind of Apple, kind of Google Plus look and feel type of thing. Okay. Um, cool. And also working on the logo for that with the designer. Um, I've been thinking about any foo and I've been thinking about ways that I could shortcut my research for the 300 people thinking about yeah, different, you different scripts. Don't half-ass that. <laughs> I hate half-assing. No half-assing. Well, you won't know. You won't know. I, I won't tell you whether I, I write scripts to do any um, data mining or not. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so well, I, I don't care if you use the tools to automate it. Just, I don't want this like you just want hey, you, I, no you just want great a great I, result you want 300 really good people right high quality who are who want to create profiles why do you care do how I do it I don't care how you do it but if you do a crap ass job and all these people are getting like fake emails and <laughs> you have no idea who they are I'm gonna be pissed off <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna know I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I hate half assing and stuff so <laughs> Sandy I have this kind of thing with Sandy because obviously 
I'm kind of a perfectionist. And Sandy is, she's great at execution, but she's sometimes can be kind of good enough. Like it's good enough moving on, right? Which is what happens when you're, you know, an operations specialist, right? You make things work and you move, you prioritize and you move on. And so I, I kind of joke away with her about that. And that's always because of a little frustration. Like, you know, she'll do something. I'm like, I'll look at her. She's like, yes, it's fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. You're a hard taskmaster, Jason. I don't know, man. I just, I don't like the, I don't like half-assing things, man. Do it right or don't do it at all. That's my, that's my opinion. Um, so what else have I been thinking about? A couple and of- that's the title of the show. Okay. Do it right or don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Like that? Um, <laughs> I've, I've just, I mean, there's just we'll too, there's too many things to think off the top of my head. I don't know. I'm just, just living life, making stuff happen. Yeah, so you spent a week in Napa. Yeah, we, we went down to Napa because we were interested in uh, the up. potential of moving there and we wanted to really up. check it out. Oh, up, up. How come you always, you, you're like, you're like every single time you go somewhere, you, you, you don't even get it right randomly. You're always the opposite direction. If it's up, you say it's down. If it's down, you say it's up. It's the, east, it's west. I think you should, whatever your instinct of where it is in relation to it, just reverse it. Because I always think of somewhere that is a holiday place as down. Oh, like you're going south because you used to be in England, which is yeah. north. You're always south. Okay, exactly. So, but you would say you know, when you would go to New Hampshire to work with my Vibos, you would say go down. I mean, it's well up. because I always because I do think that it it feels like it's lower. I don't know why when I think of it in my head. Huh. Okay. It's I know it's a cross, but it feels like it's a cross and down. Okay. Anyway, I think we're pretty far south, so you can pretty much just say up. Okay. <laughs> just say we're up. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I think I've reached my threshold of us discussing this up or down subject. All right, next. What else have you thinking about? Um, you know. Oh, I'll, boots. I got something. Go on. I, know you don't go on. Think. I can tell you you got nothing. Yeah. So I put, well, uh, the, the things I brought up was that uh, <laughs> I'm looking for something to, re- to listen to on, 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 uh, from Audible. Right. So I got an Audible membership. Audible.com, you know, you can get your audio books. Only whatever. just. Oh, well, I've had, I've had an Audible ju- membership for five years, at least seven years, I think. How many credits do you have? I don't know, because I haven't logged in for like two years. <laughs> do you have like probably 24 credits or I've something? Got, I mean, I, I've got about 20 books from there. Oh, do you? but you've actually used them. You've actually downloaded the books. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you listen to them? Yeah, I've, I, like I said, over the years, I've listened to about 20 books. They, they, it, like the one thing about Audible is... The reader, like you, you almost find that you can follow a specific reader because they read the way that you like. Like I, I got some books that I really wanted to listen to, but the reader just put me off so much because they just read in a way that irritated the shit out of me. Okay. So have you, have you listened to anything yet? Oh, well, okay. So I got the, I got the, like the double membership because I was like, well, I was the first one. I'm like, if I only have one credit, I'm going to get irritated if my one credit sucks out of the bat, right out of the gate. I mean, so I'm going to get two, and but I've but I didn't downgrade it to one, so I still have two. And the first two I got were um, Born to Run, which is about these ultra marathoners. Yeah. And Sandy's been trying to get me to read the book for like two years. She read it and loved it, and she's or she's been like, you should read this. It's really funny. And then uh, and also they talk a lot about the biomechanics of like running and you know how how your feet actually work and she thought I'd find all that stuff interesting. And then the other one I got was in the Plex, which is about Google. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the thing was, I, I mean, I'm not, they, they both are probably pretty interesting books, but they're not fascinating, right? They're not awesome. They're not like, I can't wait to turn it on and start listening to the next chapter. And I'm, I'm listening to stuff when I'm suffering away on the treadmill or on the elliptical at the gym, which means I'm, I'm bored out of my mind and I'm suffering. And so I need something that's so good that it like, it actually makes me forget that I'm doing something that sucks. Right. Oh, and do you want stories to, or do you want stories? Or? A, I'm sort of thinking, I'm starting to think it's gotta, it, I'm starting to think it's gotta be a story because I remember the one thing I did listen to, which was fantastic. And this was a couple of years ago. And this was like on a, a bunch of CDs was, um, uh, the historian, which is about like Dracula mm. was great. I mean, you know, I, I, I read the reviews. Some people didn't like it, but I loved it. I kept, it was funny because we, 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 we listened to it. Sandy and I listened to it together when we drove to Vegas to visit her parents. So it was like a five hour drive to the desert. And I remember the whole time just like staring out. Like I, I, I didn't even see the desert. I was like, my eyes were in my mind watching the story. Right. And we get there, it's like nine o'clock and we're, you know, we're down with the parents. I'm like, well, I think we should get to bed. <laughs> You know, like I want to go upstairs and listen to the story. And, you know, she's like, what's the rush? And I'm like, yep, I think we can wrap things up. <laughs> well, I, I can recommend um, Kite Runner. I got that on Audible and I, I was addicted to that. That was a great story. Kite Runner. Um, what's it about? It's, 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 it's about, um, I can't remember the country that they're in, but it's something like Afghanistan. I think it might be Afghanistan. And it's basically just a very... Um, touching harrowing story about uh, a child uh, and his his life okay what else um what are the best i mean what are the like the absolute best well see what i what i really liked and what the best i'll, I'll tell you one book that people recommended to me a lot and this this was the one that really kind of irritated me because I, I purchased it but shadow divers i've heard from lots of people what an amazing book that is and then I bought it on Audible, and it's read so badly that I just can't even mm-hmm. get past the first ten minutes of it. But I, but right. I hear that the book is amazing in its own right. Um, mm. So a book, bu- a book that I really liked uh, is a book called Mars by Ben Bova, and it's read. Oh, Ben Bova, it's sci-fi. Yeah, and 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 it's read in a way. It's it's read by this guy who I can imagine would annoy people, but for me, I, I just found him really funny. He was just really kind of. Car- caricature of of all of the ca- all of the actors and it's so funny because like he's this guy with this deep voice but he always tries and puts on the voice of of the other characters and so when he does a girl he'll he'll put on a voice and it may be a russian girl so he'll go my name is yoska <laughs> you pro- i think you would be good at that it's so funny i know you do pretty good accents and you, you should you could be a reader that would be fun no that i, I would like you to do that do actually that. that'd be funny and it would also you- be great because you'd be reading the books at the same time as saying them so you'd it would be interesting in its own right yeah i think you could do that i mean in your next in your next life <laughs> i really enjoyed um uh the education of an accidental ceo um david novak um basically his life story he ended up being the ceo of, of yum brands and um do you, you know yum brands basically they own uh things like pizza um pizza hut and just just loads of loads of really big brands anyway it was just a really interesting story about how he became the ceo of that brand and his different methodologies for managing millions of staff huh well, here, I'm going to list a few that were recommended on my Google Plus post that I... Oh, sure, okay. Well, see, one of them was, and I brought this up, was the, is Cryptonomicon. 
because I, I said I wanted something that was kind of sci-fi, tech, geek, something, but that was like a story. Oh, yeah. You know, some said there it was nonfiction. And Sandy bought uh, Cryptonomicon for me on our honeymoon, to read on our honeymoon in 1999. Mm. <laughs> and I never read it. I was like, ah, I was reading this book called, um, it was called, uh, let's see, well, I can't remember the title of it. And it was called... Um, uh, fluid concepts and creative analogies. It was Douglas Hofstetter's book about a- his AI research, and is I mean to talk about geeky, right? And Sandy's just looking at me like, "What the hell are you reading?" And we're sitting on this beach in Mexico. You read that Mexico. over Cryptonomicon? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's so Sandy. Sandy's like this super speed reader, and because I read everything, like I'm going to get a te- I'm going to be tested on it the next day. <laughs> so, I, I don't like, even believe when Georgie I'm just, when I'm watching Georgie read something, I don't even believe it. she finishes, and I'm like, did you honestly read that? Did you really read that? Like she, it's, I, I know it sounds like Sandy's the same. I can't believe that they is. read that that fast. Like, did you actually I, take it in? I don't. I don't think she has the retention. I mean, like I said, I read things like I'm going to get tested on it. Yeah. And I think that's why I can remember the stories. And I remember, I remember a lot about the books that I read where I was saying, I'm like, well, what was, what was that? She's like, I don't remember. Like, how the hell do you not remember? Because they read so fast. I mean, they just skim, they're just skimming. Yeah, they're just skimming. Yeah. So I, she, she's like the speed. So I hate it when she reads over my shoulder. Cause I'm like, just, just stop. Cause I know she's sitting there just waiting, tapping her foot, you know, <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. Just, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and so anyway, so she bombed me Cryptonomicon and I um I didn't read it and then I started reading it and some little part of it annoyed me because I just read it, a, a a very detailed biography of of um Alan Turing and he's he's one of the characters in the book and I just thought it was really stupid what they did or what Neil Stevenson did. Um so I was just like it's kinda of put me off it, but now I'm thinking, all right, maybe I just ignore that and just keep going on. Um so but 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 a number of people were like, you, ha- you that has to be your next one. But the problem is it's like two credits and it's like 50 hours. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of book to listen no, to. No, that's it. That, yeah. that, that's actually the great thing about it because you can really use it to fill in a lot of dead time, you know? <laughs> like, listen to it in my 90s. I'm going to feel like <laughs> the never-ending story. So the other ones that people recommended that sounded kind of interesting um, – was let's see, a buddy of mine, my roommate from college, Ken Yee, said a short history of nearly everything by Bill Bryson. He said for three and a half years he did a reverse commute from Manhattan to New Jersey, and he listened to a ton of audiobooks. He said that was the best one. Hmm. So a short history of nearly everything. Um, um, an, another guy, um, I can't remember, it, Ayub uh, Maza, really a thousand dollars and an idea by Sam Wiley. Do you know that? Hmm. You heard of that? No. Um, Isaac from Central Desktop, Isaac Garcia, he's like, yeah, cryptonomic, and you got to do that one. But he's also said The White Plague by, um, by Frank Herbert, the guy who wrote Dune. Do you know White, The White Plague? Have you heard of that? Mm, yeah. You, have you read that one? No. You've just heard of it? Yeah. Well, he's recommend. He's, 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 he's a big reader, and uh, he, he's, uh, he's suggesting that one. He, read, he, he suggested Ender's Game, which I read a long time ago. Oh, Ender's Game is, a, is such a good book. That is a great one. Now, have you read uh, Damon or Freedom by Daniel Suarez? Nope. Okay, so Dave Reynolds recommended that one. So that looks interesting. I see that Alex, yeah. I'm just looking at the post here, I'm seeing that Alex Gemmel has recommended E&M Banks. Now, I don't know what the readers are like, but if you haven't read any E&M Banks books, I highly recommend. They're amazing. Surface Detail is the one he says, his latest book, Surface Detail. What, what kind of books are they? They're, um, oh, wow. they like, it's, it's, it's difficult to explain. Um, it, is it like fantastical? Like, um, not, it's not, science fiction or fantasy but it's sort of fanta- fantastical no type. it's like he he builds 
Okay, first of all, he's he the way he writes it's palpable. It's like you can touch it. It's like it's so thick with with um detail and reality in a weird kind of way, even though it's not it's not real. And he'll he doesn't just write a couple of thousand years into the future, he writes fifty thousand years into the future, hundred thousand years into the future. And huh. basically creates creates just mind bending concepts and, and the robots like the the robots that exist are are beyond the concept of robots. It's like sort of super intelligence. Um and their right. the, the society is is a, is an utter blend of of humanity and and these super intelligence robots that that themselves are now just basically almost like humans in the sense that they're they're kind of decadent and artisan. <laughs> Even the robots right. are artisans. It's just it's just very very interesting. Um, the Player of Games is a book that I that I read by him that I thought was fantastic. Hmm. That's a, okay. That uh, these these some really good um, recommendations. <laughs> Andrew Hunter recommended the Iliad and Pride and Prejudice, and I'm just like, dude, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna kind of get like academic credits for it. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like those things that like it's like you would feel good about yourself for listening to it, but at the same time, you're like, this is kind of brutal. Like, right. I, I don't know if I could listen to the Iliad. I read the Iliad in the Odyssey in college. I don't know if I could listen to it. I definitely would feel like I'm a really smart guy. I am so erudite. <laughs> but I don't know if I could actually listen to it. Um, but I was kind of thinking um, of listening to I mean, I'm kind of dumb to listen to something I've already read, but I haven't read since high school, which was the Foundation series by Asimov. Oh, love it. Yeah, fantastic series of books. That might be good. I might be up for... That's, a, that's actually a good way of describing Ian M. Banks, because in, in the same way that he's kind of laid out this future, like Ian M. Banks takes that, but, but with like, multiply the kind of the detail and texture by 50. And then hmm. that's what Ian M. Banks. Is okay, like. well, you definitely got me. Uh, you definitely got me intrigued by Ian M. Banks. Okay, so I'm gonna. And another one. Um, I, I'm sure everyone knows about this. Uh, Tom Horn suggested. Tom Horn, I should say, suggested um, the uh, Game of Thrones. The fantasy. Have you listened to the Game of Thrones? I have not. What is is that? He said you need to listen to a Song of Ice and Fire series by George R. R. Martin. Um, and I'm not sure familiar, if that's it, but I don't know why it sounds familiar. So the Game of Thrones just came out as like an HBO, like they made it, they made it into like a, a I don't know, not like like a mini series or something, or that's like a series. Why? No, because because Amy Hoy has been tweeting about it. She said she said television used to mean nothing to me until Game of Thrones was recently re released. <laughs> <laughs> now well, I'm glued to my TV. <laughs> yeah, and well, and, and you figure that even if the TV show or the movie is good, it's still going to pale in comparison to the book, right? right? I mean, the book is, books are always an order of magnitude better than the movie. And it's rare, it's a rare case. I mean, like, it's like, I, I never read the, uh, the, like the Bourne Identity or Bourne Ultimatum or any of those, the Bourne series mm. and Jason Bourne. Um, and Sandy loved those books. And then when the movie came out, she's just like, ah, this sucks. This is so stupid mm. compared to the movie. I mean, compared to the book, it's just so, it was so superficial and simplistic. And I was like, "Wow, this is a really good movie." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, so maybe I should, maybe I should list like you know one of the one of the um, one of those uh, books, Born Identity or something. But you know, what was was like that for me was a Beautiful Mind. Mm. I'm sure you saw the movie, right? I did, yeah. With Russell Crowe. Crow. I mean, I guess if you saw the movie, you might think it was pretty good. But c- compared to the book, it was just so lame. I was just like, oh. I mean, because they don't they don't really go into any of the math stuff. It was just like this guy gets on a 
you know, chalkboard, writes some equations and tells his students, you're wasting my time. And that was like the extent of the math. <laughs> the rest of the time, it was just him going crazy in his relationship with his wife. And I'm like, this is just... I heard I that know. about I mean, death and loathing, uh, fear of death and loathing in Las Vegas, that, that the, the book like, itself was just way, way, way better than the movie. Yeah, I guess some stories are just, they're just so intricate and they're so layered and textured. You just really can't translate it into like an hour and 45 minute movie. Mm. It's just not possible. I mean, it's just, it's unfair, I guess, sometimes to compare them, compare the two. But, you know, for instance, for people who like, you know, stories about mathematicians and things like that, I would highly recommend um, uh, A Beautiful Mind. But you know what? There's actually one that's even better that no one's ever heard of called um, A um, Adventures of a Mathematician about... Um, uh, St- uh, uh, Stanislaw Ulam. He was like best friends, big buddies with uh, von Neumann, and he had a lot to do with laying down uh, a lot of the mathematics for the uh, hydrogen bomb. Hmm. And uh, he was just he like collaborated with everybody. He was so just did the brilliant- did the hydrogen bomb come via the route of mathematics, or did it come through the route of testing? Oh, everything comes ultimately. All of these things ultimately come from theoretical physics, which are, which is basically pure math, right? They're sitting down and going, okay, basically the principles that we understand, can we work this out mathematically? Does this work? And then if they can make the equations work, they're like, okay, well, theoretically, you know, theoretically this is sound, let's see if we can, they have to, then they have to build and test it, then it's engineering, which huh. of course, or, or experimental physics, physics. I mean, you know, I'm sure some listeners might say, well, actually there are cases where, you know, things are discovered accidentally or experimental but generally speaking the way science works out in physics and things like that is that scientists you know work things out on paper and what should be true and they set up tests to try and you know prove or, or disprove the hypothesis that's interesting see, i'm sure there's I, see, cases. I, I wouldn't know that having not you know having not gone to university or whatever and you know missing out the whole education thing um that's that's very interesting to me i didn't realize yeah it um yeah, which is kind of similar to that idea of like using AI to beat the market, right? So it's like if you're using some black box machine learning algorithm to go and look at all this data and try and figure out this algorithm, it's sort of like doing experimental physics without having any theories or why something should work. Right. Like you just like this throw a bunch of stuff out there and hey, you know, if we push these buttons, this happens. Cool. Why does it happen? We have no idea. <laughs> but it does. Or it seems to, right? Whereas, you know, um you you'd like to come from a, a from a strong theoretical um, understanding of something like okay, these this is why we think the this is how we think the universe works. These are this is the law. Or this is how we think this will play out based on understanding it. Now let's set up. Now let's ch- let's do a test. Let's see. You know. Anyway, um, so uh, I don't. Know, I, I got. There's a bunch. There's some but adventures of a mathematician. I highly recommend that to anybody who likes that kind of stuff. I've actually got a blog post on 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 my recommended geek reading list. I think that's going to be good. Um, but I have one last thing to talk about. Go on. This has been, this has been a good show. And you know what? We, we, we owe it to the listeners. We owe it to the people. Yeah. <laughs> we owe it to the people. <laughs> like, great. Will you guys shut up? Because I'm, I'm out home now for my commute. <laughs> okay. So um, you, you know the, um, my, my blog post uh, called How to Increase Your Luck Surface Area? Yeah. And I talk about essentially for anyone who, who um, – hasn't read it or whatever you can go to my my blog codus operandi and it's there and or just t- type in luck service fair area into google and it'll pop up um and essentially it's the idea of like the, the combination of doing and telling right the, the way you increase your serendipity you increase your luck of things just kind of falling into your lap as you do 
stuff that you're really interested in that you're passionate about you just do it a lot of it and then you tell as many people as possible about what you're doing and why it's awesome mm-hmm. right and then just sometimes what will happen is people will come find you and like oh wow so you've done all this that's interesting we would like to hire slash partner slash invest you know in you you know right you know or collaborate with you or whatever right which is just what happened when i wrote that thing on algorithmic trading now i have all these people who are interested in algorithmic trading doing interesting stuff contacting me you know so what were we gonna say? I, I was just gonna say that I'm I'm I googled Lux Surface Area, and uh, number four is a post by Jason Cohen um, in 2011, and he says he says but the to- this is what this is a quote from him. But the topic I found most interesting was on Lux Surface Area, which was suggested by the awesome Patrick Stockwell. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's that's fine, but it actually um, in the in the information he says would love to hear other people's thoughts about the idea of increasing lux surface area. I'm not sure who coined this. Texting lives, Jason? Question mark. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, I remember seeing so that. So he, a does, while he back. does make a, a reference to you, so that's fine. All right, Jason Cohen, you're on my shit list. What <laughs> 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 <I want> attribution? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, the. Uh, I guess some guy wrote an academic paper um, on the subject, and he's talking about he 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 did a he he didn't like talk about lux surface area in in his um, paper, and it was kind of almost like an academic paper that he wrote as a blog post because um, he gets really in depth, pretty mathematically in depth, and he takes my do my d times t or my d, do times tell yeah concept, and he just sort of expands on that mathematically, and he starts talking about. Um, success like when you're launching a product not talking about like a startup but just sort of like a company says okay how much are we going to invest in sort of in product development doing t versus marketing sales t and talking about what's our maximum efficiency of telling or informing and our maximum efficiency of like how much we're doing is going to incrementally increase the quality of our product and whatever and it comes up with this huge sort of it's just sort of like this econometric modeling based on the d times t so he takes d times t and takes a creates an entire mathematical infrastructure for the whole thing and i thought that was kind of funny i mean i i read it but i kind of started to skim it for a while i scan it for a while because after a while i was like okay this is like it's a bit too i'm not in interested in, yeah i'm just i'm not interested enough in the topic of maximum you know utility and capital utilization and whatever to like make sure i understand the math behind it but i was kind of i was falling on for a little while and i was like okay whatever <laughs> it's not really that's not really interesting to me i i oh, what was i was i can't remember what i was talking about oh one last thing one last thing okay so it was be talk- the last because we've we've run out of time okay one last thing <laughs> so i was talking with uh guyon about this the other day and guyon i guess there's an article on hacker news about how do if you have a coin that you know is biased like a like a you know heads and tails and you can right, you right. know call it most times like even if it's biased and it's going to land on head 60% of the time or 70% of the time, how do you make it so that you, you fix that? If, even if you don't know how biased it is. And like, what's the thing? And so he, he starts describing like the, the he, you know, I guess he read through it and thought about it. Says, okay, well you use it for bits of information and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I just, I can't give myself to really care. <laughs> how hard I try, I just can't get myself to care. And I started thinking about it. It's like, I love math and I love, th- you know, things like that. But it's like, I've discovered that I'm very much applied. Like if there's not a project or problem that I'm trying to solve, I have a hard time getting myself interested in a subject just for its be- the beauty of it, as the aesthetic pleasure of understanding the theory. And 
I was I was reminded of like when I was in college. Um, there was a one of the big things in college in math uh, in sort of math undergraduate math programs are these Putnam examinations were all the best math. I guess you compete in this national competition called the Putnam exam. Okay, and I think they give it like seven questions or something, and everyone sits in a big room and takes them, and it's like you have teams, and like um, and like most people get like half half a credit for like one question or maybe one problem of the seven. Yeah. Solved. And like the very top people might get you know six or you might get a perfect or get a six five or six, and those are like people like Feynman, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, won it in his day, and and um, anyway, there was on the outside of the math. In the math department, on the sort of bulletin board, there was something about this this problem in polar coordinates and translating it to something. And this buddy of mine was really, really sharp uh, math guy, and, and he and I just come out of our number theory class. And he goes, "Hey, man, check this out." And he's looking at it, and he's like, "Wow, isn't that awesome?" And I was like, "You know, I just don't really care. <laughs> I just like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can't give myself the care because it was like there was no purpose. Like I, I didn't. It wasn't like there was a test I had to pass or a problem I had to solve or a project I needed to." build it was there was no purpose it was just to find it was interesting and Guyon is like that he was like Nick like he can just like be fascinated by the beauty of some mathematics and just really want to think and talk about it whereas I'm like you know this is the problem we're going to solve and this is why it's hard to solve it and this is why we're going to solve it then I get all fired up and then I just go nuts doing research and trying to like bring all my brain power to bear on that problem but if it's just like hey let's try and just this is just because it's neat I don't know well, it's funny because both approaches make what breakthroughs for the world, you know? Yeah, well, you need people who, I mean, and it's the thing is I always thought of myself, see, when I was an undergrad, I, I, my, I got my undergraduate degree in math, and I always thought I was going to go get a PhD in math, and I wanted to do pure math, which is funny because in retrospect, I was never a pure mathematician from a personality perspective. I was applied math. I should have gone to an applied math, and um but for some part of me thought that pure math was like, you know, more elite or yeah. something like that. But all pure math is, is like discovering the tr- truths about, you know, about numbers, right? It's trying truths about like how do patterns and relationships, how do they map to one another? And what can we, what can we prove about this, this set of mathematical objects in, in the context of these other mathematical objects or whatever, right? And so it's all about proving things. But to me, in some sense, I liked the idea of it more than I actually liked it. What I did like is solving problems, not, not doing proofs. But I, I figured that out too late. I figured that out at the age of uh, 41. <laughs> you know, you know when they have like a movie, and, this, and we'll close after this, but you know when they have like a movie, um, I think the, there was the movie The Day the World Ended or something like that, and the guy comes right. down and he's, he's got this mathematical calculus on the board and it's like this whole board full of equations and then some math genius walks in and goes, oh, my God, that's, that's more. Like, is, is that real math? I mean, is that what math looks like? Is, is there any truth in that kind of thing? That, that maths is like, can be written in th- three paragraphs on a board, uh, an equation, yeah, all, yeah, no, all in no. one line kind of thing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when you get beyond sort of like high school or lower undergraduate math, you start getting to graduate level math or what mathematicians do, it will look, you're not going to see numbers. 
right? It's all it's all letters and symbols. It's all talking about relationships. Yeah, but like, but like a, str- a like string, a string that could fill up an entire A4 page. I mean, does that exist? Like an equa- like a single equation or yeah, something? Yeah, like a single- it's a series of statements or series of equations. Equations or um, – but sometimes, unless you're talking about a, the statement of a theorem, will actually can be like a sentence. But it, it wouldn't look like an equation. It would look like a like sort of like a pseudo-sentence. It's almost like pseudocode. You but know? So, so, but can that stretch in the way that they describe it in these movies? Can that stretch from line to line to line to line to line so that it would fill up an entire A4 page of with a single equation kind of thing? Or do you would would that just be impossible to parse and it's all broken out in on individual Usually lines? Usually, it's broken out. It's kind of like code. Like, would you have like, like could you have one line of code that was like ten lines long? Yeah, but usually you would break it down into segments that like, well, here's. You know, here's a top end function that calls these sub functions, calls these sub functions, right? And I think it's just the way the human brain works. Like, we got to break things down. Like, this symbol we know stands for this other thing, which has parts to it, right? But when we're talking about it, we're just going to wrap it up into the symbol and, and it's going to be like, you know, half a line. Yeah, but, so, but some genius mathematician isn't going to be able to come in and look at some, a, some, some A4 page, 10 pixel size full of a single equation and go, oh, I see. Perfect sense. Just like yeah, a coder isn't going to be able to look at the same equivalent piece of you know page of code without any spaces or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Right, I think right. it's kind of, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there are other. You could write really, really long equations, and there, you know, I'm I'm sure there are some people with advanced math degrees who are, can think of situations. But I, from my experience, you usually break it down a little bit, and it's usually you know they're not a whole entire one equation is not an entire page long. But maybe in physics, I don't know, <laughs> maybe in like theoretical physics. But uh, yeah, cool. That's about all I can say. But hey, you can come over next time over to my place. I'll show you some of my graduate, you know, abstract algebra books, and you can look at that and see if that looks what you think it looks like. Which looks like insane wizard. It's like the scrolls of like a wizard. Man, <laughs> it's like <laughs> what does this even mean? <laughs> I look at it now and I'm like, I can barely remember what any of this even is. Like I have a book on like complex analysis and i'm like it's like i just i got nothing i don't remember any of this but uh all right i think uh i think we're at the end of the road here i think so it's been it's been good yeah it's been fun uh getting back in uh swing of things so we'll talk to joanna on tuesday and then we'll pick up another discussion next week all right all right that's a wrap we're out